This is Foster, the Beaver, DeWitt, from your New England Free Jacks, and you're listening to the Jacks Ranger Show. Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am broadcasting from beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire, here at the new Granite Outpost. Our Free Jacks came up a little bit short in the mountains of Utah, but we live to fight another day. Welcome to episode 72. We're calling this one Hush Puppies because Bozo's World Beaters, the Chicago Hounds, are going to be released into Fort Quincy this weekend. Got a very, very special show this time around. In this episode, you will hear from Jennifer McFloyd. Jennifer runs the Girls Rugby Massachusetts social media for Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. We also heard from our good buddy, Brian. Rockley guy who will be in attendance at Fort Quincy at this game against the Chicago Hounds on April the 8th. From there, Diamond Dave and myself broke down the loss to Utah and then previewed the game against the Chicago Hounds. Really appreciate all the Rangers that ride along with us every single week. Now let's get right into this episode. Kick that MFN mule, baby. Hit that theme music. Huzzah! Woo! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am joined with a very, very special guest this time around. We have Jennifer McFloyd. She is with Myro. The extension of that is Girls Rugby Massachusetts. Jennifer, how the hell are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on. This is great. I've never done a podcast. Way <laughs> It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Super happy to have you on here. Tell us where you're from. I can hear the accent, but tell tell us where you're from. Well, considering you are in Massachusetts, wouldn't you be the one with the accent? I'm actually in New Hampshire, but I understand what you're saying. Oh, with that? No way. Where in New Hampshire? I live in Manchester. I've been here for 13 years now. Yeah. So where were you raised, though? Uh, North Carolina, near Uh, Charlotte. Yeah. That's where it is. It's it's in there. It's in the genes. You can't get it out. That's I'm right. from East Boston, and it's most famously known as the airport. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have everybody's probably been to East Boston once or mm-hmm. twice because they've landed at Logan. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I'm from East Boston, born and raised. I went to school in North End, went to college in the city, mm-hmm. and we've left briefly, but keep on coming back. So now we're on the South Shore. All right. Down, uh, Very good. Down in Plymouth, we're an hour from the Cape and an hour from the city, so we're pretty centrally located. Wow, you and Kenny Thompson, uh, I think, b- uh, both live in Plymouth. I, I did not realize that. That's awesome. Yeah, Kenny's Kenny's uh, a gem uh, for sure. Love him very much. Um, let's talk about what is your origin story with rugby? How did you find rugby? So it found us. So we we did. Uh, we were fortunate enough to do a year abroad, and mm-hmm. we were in London for a bit. And I don't know if it was World Cup rugby or what the season was, but it was fantastic. We walked by a pub and everybody was cheering. Everybody was, you know, screaming and having a great time. People mm-hmm. were singing songs in the tube station. We walked by and I got to sneak my way in and see it on TV. And I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I freaking love it. And my kids need to play it. And Absolutely. the gentleman at the bar was like, what do you mean you don't know what that is? This is rugby. This is mm-hmm. the, the football. It's like the best thing there is. It's not soccer. I'm like, yay, it's not soccer. <laughs> my kids, not soccer. 
Yeah. And while we were in London, it really helped with the kids to to have a base. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they're coming from a flag football culture, mm-hmm. and you know, to go into you know to go to England where rugby is all over the place, they they jumped right in, and they had a, they had already made friends. It That's was like, awesome. don't care where you're from, don't care how old you are or what your skill yeah. level is. You're here, you're in. Right. That's that's fabulous. That's that's fantastic. How do we get that? And For then sure. when we came back, um, I think Annalise was uh, seven or eight, and Lucas was was ten or eleven, and we we jumped right in. We called Myra and like, okay, where are these teams? How does this happen? Get us mm-hmm. in. And they've been playing playing ever since. What year was that when you initially called Myro to get involved? 2014, 2015. Wow. So we got in. um, The South Shore Sharks were Mm -hmm. in. um, Hanson, maybe? Hanson Whitman? They weren't even in in Marshfield at the time. Okay. And there was a, a gentleman from Plymouth that was trying to get a Plymouth League going on. So four of us would show up and play. And then mm-hmm. he introduced us to Matt Cabral and um, Dan Mason from Whitman Hanson. And then our kids jumped in. And again, same exact welcomeness mm-hmm. that, that we had overseas. It's like, you're here, you're in. That, that's it. Let's right. let's get it going. Here's a ball. Here's how you play. And it's, then and we just took off. For sure. It, rugby is one of those things with the state. I mean, obviously worldwide, because it's such a tough sport. And it, it it is it's almost always second fiddle to soccer. Unfortunately, there's that level of like, oh, we're so glad that you're here and want to be involved, right? Like it's like it's that small community type of feel, and it's just very wholesome to a certain extent. It's it's very welcoming as you're talking about because everybody can play rugby regardless of your body type and that sort of stuff. And we'll get more into that in a moment here. But um, exactly. I wanted you to kind of talk about. Um, why rugby is so important and why you think it should be in middle schools everywhere. Give us a rundown on that. Oh man. So in, in my opinion, being, having had several kids go through middle school and seeing mm-hmm. what, what has been happening, I think middle school is the toughest for, for girls to go through. You have your adolescent phase, your body is doing all types of things. You're not necessarily sure what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, what's in your, you go through the gamut of, of changes to have a sport like rugby that's welcoming. And it doesn't say you have to be this height, this mm-hmm. weight, this width to play. Yeah. Rugby says, if you want to play, we need your body type just the way it is. Right. Don't change it. Don't alter it. Appreciate it. Learn to love it and use it for good. And we can help you do that. And that's what rugby does. I mean, they these kids are bombarded every day with, you need to be this, you need to look this, you need to act this, you need to wear this. And if mm-hmm. you're not, you suck. And try harder. Spend this right. money, buy this product, you'll be better, you'll feel better. None of that's true, right? You have mm-hmm. to own who you are, be comfortable in your skin, and be comfortable in your body. Mm-hmm. And rugby is one of the only sports I can think of that says that's exactly right. We need yes. you just the way you are and through all phases, you know, and rugby, you can grow your position. That's right. Where you are in, in flag and middle school tackle, you're not set there. The position is going to change and you're going to change just like, just like you do. So who mm-hmm. you are in high school doesn't mean you're going to end up there. And it's the same thing with the university. 
And it's one of the few sports that I know that does that. And I think if we could find a way to get it in middle school, mm -hmm. I really believe we would see a huge decrease in, in anxiety. We would see a massive increase in self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And the girls will have a tribe. You know, everyone thinks if you're not a Kardashian, you're nothing. But right. can you imagine like having a slogan like, you know, in a world of Kardashians, be a Mahir, be like all these girls on the Eagles or the yeah. RTs or uh, Holly Rogers or mm -hmm. any, and pick anybody. Yeah. Right. That's it. They're all different. You're going to see a, a tribe of 30 that don't have really anything in common other than the smiles on their face. And they're proud of their bodies and what it can do and how they can push it. I think one of the main things that rugby does for adolescents is it, it builds confidence, right? It, it's, it's a character building game um, that helps people with their self-esteem um, and it helps them kind of grow into themselves for sure. So I think that's one thing that in the United States that we have lacked in previous generations is most people find it in college, which is all well and good. But if you can find it at a younger age, it will certainly help you throughout those younger, awkward years. Um, and I think that's something that definitely needs to be focused on. And that obviously is a focus right now with uh, with what you're doing on social media and what Myro is trying to do. And it's it's all of us, you know, as a collective effort, trying to bring this thing further along. And we all understand that people need to be getting a rugby ball in their hands when they're much younger uh, to make this thing successful at a higher level. So, totally. Let's talk about, you know, you were mentioning that, that you know, it would be a, a good idea to have a, a cool slogan or a mascot <laughs> kind of bring this I, thing along. Talk about that for a minute. Who doesn't love a mascot? Everyone I, loves a mascot. Woodgy, you know, I mean, who's better than Woodgy? <laughs> Nobody. That's right. We need something. We need, I don't know what it is. I mean, thankfully, we have the likes of like an, an OBD and a, a Fletcher from AIC. I think we should get like a a powwow of, of these girls together and find a mascot and find mm -hmm. a way cool slogan. I mean, mm -hmm. we've been really fortunate that we have three girls in Myro that went from Myro to university mm -hmm. by, by playing rugby. And, you know, the whole world opened up to them because of the sport. Right. And, you know, it got them through some, some of those hard times by, you know, that you have a tribe, um, but we need a mascot. I don't know what it would be, but I think, um, I think we've got something where maybe the free decks can have a contest. I agree a thousand percent with that. You know, there's a lot of creative types that work within the Free Jacks organization. And it just within this, you know, fan community, there's a lot of creative types that uh, I'm sure could come up with something really, really, uh, really good for this effort for sure. But let's talk. Let's go back a little bit. Let's rewind. What are the origins of Girls Rugby Massachusetts? That I don't know. Um, okay. What happened before me is is what happened before me. I was sitting with Jen Jordan, who's Skylar Jordan's mother, who was yes. now playing rugby for Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, they were having a board meeting, and Shaggy emailed me, and Jen said, "Hey, we put your hat in. You're gonna go for 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 the for Myro Girls Development Coordinator or Chief Bottle Washer. Get the stuff going." I'm like, "What do <laughs> right. I do?" She's like, "Everything you're doing, you just do it under a Myro umbrella." You right. tell everybody they need to play the sport. You talk to teachers and say, okay, why aren't you showing this game? Like, what's your problem? And um, so I've been with them. Unfortunately, I started the year before COVID. Okay. And we were doing we were doing pretty well. We had a nice schedule. We had a definite clear vision that we wanted to see 
girls game at each jamboree mm -hmm. and not as an aside, but a scheduled time for a girls, a girls match. And it didn't have to be, you know, one team versus the other. It was give me all your girls players and let's, let's just have a match and let's right. just see how, how it goes. And it, I think we grew far beyond our expectations in a short amount of time where at present mystic river, I believe has enough to fail two sides. Mm -hmm. Renton and barbarians has solid numbers. The shocks have solid numbers. So we're seeing girls, girls matches and we're seeing more than, than we, we ever had ever before. And we're Good. seeing a lot, a lot more of the littles, you know, the, um, the second and third graders that were sitting on the sidelines watching their brothers and now yeah. jumping and playing and and understanding their ownership of the field like you deserve to be here you're mm -hmm. you're not someone's little sister you're you're the athlete you're the player mm -hmm. so it's good to see for the youngers as well yeah for sure i mean we were we're going to talk about this a little bit later on but you know usa was awarded the women's world cup in 10 years time from now so there really needs to be a, a strong effort to get this thing from where it is now and to where it needs to be. So we know where we are at present and kind of give us a rundown of uh, how many girls are involved in Myro and how many girls teams exist overall. What, what's the numbers? I don't have for numbers. <laughs> I don't know. I know. How about an estimate? Um, let's say 35. Let's, okay. say 35. let's say 35 to 40. Okay. Not I think bad. that would be, yeah, because Mystic, Mystics always seems to have more players than, mm -hmm. than we realize. And Wolfhound sometimes have, have a team and, and sometimes don't, you know, we're all trying to, and um, uh, Chris Muddy from Brookline, yes. he just started his own team. So Brookline just started, I think Arlington, Arlington just started with a brand new team. Um, North Shore up in Salem. They just started as well. Okay. So they're going to have some additional numbers. So what Chris Muddy is doing, he's doing great. He's doing um, two things at once. He's doing a youth league, which would be like you would see in Myro. You would see Brookline youth. So mm -hmm. from maybe second grade to middle school. And then he's doing a second branch of that called HUD Rugby. Okay. And that is pulling... Um, elite players who want more of the competition for the 15 side. And okay. that is a spring competition. He'll join the uh, elite girls rugby league and they travel, I think New Jersey, New York, Connecticut or whatnot. And they do, um, but it's just 15s. And then the girls can play for their own clubs during their, their seven summer seasons. Mm -hmm. But I think for in order for us to see the, the numbers that we want to make the, 2033 successful we need new england to to wake up it's not mm. just myro um we have ruth demott scott um scott and molly campbell from southern southeast new hampshire mm -hmm. and they're doing amazing things for their girls i think they probably have 40 girls on their on their one team okay and uh for tournaments we've joined a couple of our myro girls that wanted uh, tournaments, we joined in with uh, the Southeast New Hampshire for, um, what's it called in New Jersey, Mid um, Women's Conference. Okay. What's it? Um, hold on. I forgot the name of it. Let me get it right. There's a, a women's tournament in New Jersey in June. 
there's New York Sevens in November, and there was another tournament that the New Hampshire was able to bring their girls to. So when Northeast Academy folded, our girls had had a spot where we didn't have any place to go. So thankfully, we were able to join up with um, with New Hampshire and get something going, which has been fabulous for our girls who want the the tournament style and want more of the elite. Mm-hmm. Um, the elite competition that rugby offers. What I think, honestly, though, if we want to see the 2033 be successful, we need to have rugby, 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 match, 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 and saturate mm-hmm. it. Yep. So if the new, if we can do that all across New England and get rugby more, more awareness that it exists, mm-hmm. more awareness that rugby is a spot that girls should be playing and can be playing, and it's beneficial in every way then we can see these girls have a pathway from right. youth to middle school, to high school, to college, and then they're eligible to the Eagles and they'll be more confident. You know, we'll have a much larger team mm-hmm. of girls that are born and raised in the States to play. Listen, I, I think, you know, what we're talking about here is, you know, in terms of the pathway being clearly defined, that is something that, you know, took place uh, with MLR where they created this pathway with all of their individual teams. All of them have these, you know, academies and development sides and then the grade uh, age grade uh, below those with like the junior jacks for the men. But what really is missing in this equation at this point for the, the girls and the ladies is a professional league within the United States and surely you know within before the the World Cup kicks off here on American soil it seems like we would need a professional league to develop these uh professional players and 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 get that going as quickly as possible I don't know exactly when that will take place but it seems like it is a crucial aspect that is currently missing where we can have girls you know play you know for the free jacks or the free jills or whatever youth age and then development and then you know maybe their independence and then come through like maybe the college ranks with some very very good uh, college women's teams around here and then get drafted into a professional team um i think that is absolutely what is necessary going forward um and that will make things more successful and more clearly defined because everybody now knows mlr is in its sixth season how you go to become a professional rugby player as a as a uh, a boy to a man you, you you start out at the youth level you know get involved in a a, a local amateur team you know get selected with one of these uh, mlr teams maybe they're um age grades and then you kind of work your way up go to a good college for four years play there and then get on the development squad of whatever mlr team that uh, is closest to you maybe get drafted after college and then you know kind of go from there so that is a clearly defined pathway that didn't exist prior to mlr um and i think that is absolutely necessary for the women's game as well going forward definitely and that's what we need that's what we need to say and Mm -hmm. massachusetts wise we need and, and it's if there's an entrepreneur out there listening, this is the perfect time mm-hmm. in Massachusetts to get an academy side. We don't mm-hmm. have one for the yeah. for the girl side. And sadly, if you don't, you know, if you don't have the cash readily available to go to California to practice and train for the rhinos or to go to, I think it's Texas for Gorilla Academy, you don't you don't have an option, especially mm-hmm. if you don't have um, rugby in your high school. Right. And yep. only a very, very small population do. I mean, it'd mm-hmm. be great to see more, but that's 
and I think we'll be ready, ready in time for what for what we know we need to we need to see. Right. So if we see if we have somebody who has a great product, you know, you're going to have a lot of clients. We need field space. We need coaches, and we need the ability to 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 hone the skills on the elite academy side. Myra is going to do everything we can for the youth players to mm-hmm. have a pathway that want to play club league. Yep. That want to play great great club league. And mm-hmm. we can provide that. And that's our main mission. But the other side is you can't close your eyes and say, well, we have all these great players that want more. Let's just send them right. to a different state. But what if they don't have the money for it? Then then they don't get the opportunity. This right. isn't soccer all across. This is what, what we should be doing already. We should be creating these opportunities for these girls to, mm-hmm. to play higher level rugby if they want it. And most And a lot do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, and there's plenty of talent out there. Just look at uh, the uh, the the professional league in England. There's what like 20 USA women that play on that in in that league. So um, you know the, the talent is out there. Talent, it just needs yeah. to be developed and, and nourished a bit more. So I think we're certainly on the same page there. It's just um, things have to you know get in motion and continue you know rolling a ball up the hill to make this thing successful but uh speaking of you know helping and uh, you know aiding in this process what can the rangers the fans of the free jacks and this show do to help uh girls rugby massachusetts having podcasts like this and this type of opportunity to raise awareness is is amazing i owe you a vegan pizza <laughs> Or, or something, or, or sure. something that, that you would like. Do you like maybe? A I'll take a beer at, at uh, maybe Fort <laughs> Quincy. Will be uh, you know sufficient. That'd be great. That's great. Well, the Free Jacks are doing a great job with their rugby in yes. a bag initiative. So yep. if anyone listening, if they know of a Girl Scout troop or a Boys and Girls Club or a YMCA where it's not tapped in yet, let us mm-hmm. know and we can make that happen. What we're lacking is awareness. We need yep. more awareness. We need more people talking about about girls rugby. Mm-hmm. And that it's it's not a secondary thought. Like this is this is something that you need to jump in now, you know, while while it's while it's fresh. This is it's going to be great. You might as well jump in now. Be one of the pioneers. I agree a thousand percent. You know, awareness is super important because a lot of people in this country, you know, kids, even adults, they don't know what rugby is. And despite the fact that the league has existed for six years and it's in a lot of major markets, the average American has no idea what rugby is. So this rugby in a ball, it certainly helps, you know, getting the youth involved, letting them, you know, touch a rugby ball, pass it around. That certainly will help, you know, having this come from the players themselves. I think a lot of people um, are, are, you know, when they think of professional sports, they think of these guys are completely separate from everyday Americans or everybody, everyday fans. Like you would never see, you know, Tom Brady just walking around, uh, you know, and, and uh, talking to regular people. Right. It's a, it's like a foreign concept. These these guys are superstar millionaires, all that other stuff. But the Free Jacks, you know, it's obviously not that way in, in American rugby at this point in the history of the league. So it's super cool that uh, your your kid could be taught by a current Free Jack and, you know, to have that kid get excited about rugby and want to play rugby. So um, that's Do you have time cool. for a quick story? Yeah. Of course. So this is how small world, but how fantastic it is. For, so exactly your point. My son, Lucas, is a senior mm-hmm. and he was looking at St. Bonaventure for media, um, media relations and videography and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I just put a blast out on the face on the uh, Free Jack supporter page. Yep. You know, does anybody know anyone St. Bonaventure? I heard Kyle did. Does anybody know anybody? Well, don't mm-hmm. you know, he called on the face Facebook message like let's set something up I would love to talk to your son about it so he gave up part of his Sunday 
yeah. you know, being at home with his family in Connecticut to yep. talk to my son glowingly about his alumni, then he was gracious enough to have his girlfriend jump in on the call because they're but they'll be in the same Ginoli School of Communica School of Communication. Right. And I'm thinking, holy crap, this is like a major league rugby player who's doing this mm -hmm. for a living, yep. has his own personal time on a Sunday for a high school kid. You're not going to see that anywhere else. It's incredible. Not, not in professional soccer or, or nope. football or baseball or maybe hockey, yep. but I'm biased. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, it's, it's just amazing that for we sure. have these, they're, they're right in our backyard and they're so accessible mm -hmm. and they're just great guys. Yeah. You know, they're hanging around the tent, plant, throw, you know, throwing balls around with, with the uh, younger kids. That's great. Right. It's a great way to grow it. A thousand percent. They are extremely accessible um, and they're just everyday people. You know, they're they're not the jaded uh, professional sports athlete that you see in other sports. You know, not hockey, of course. I agree with that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, you know, you did mention a couple upcoming events and slash games that the Rangers should be aware of. Anything else is upcoming in New England specifically that uh, we could show support with? Well, we, there is a tournament on Sunday that we were invited, to, uh, Saturday that we were invited to. I think what we know about for sure is the Beast of the East. Okay. Is, let's see. Beast of the East is April 23rd. Mid-Atlantic Rugby Show Women's Showcase is mm -hmm. June 10th. But the big one is that everybody should come and see mm -hmm. is the Bay State Games. And that is yes. the last Saturday yep. of July. Every year, it's the last Saturday. And this is the chance to get to see everybody at their absolute, absolute peak performance. Mm -hmm. Everybody is so hyped and pumped, and they've been practicing all year. And this is like their, this is their Super Bowl. This is yeah. their ability to to show how much, how, how great they are and, and how wonderful the sport is. And you see a lot of fantastic rugby all the way from the flag to the high schoolers. I agree. That's I was there last play. year um, as a guest of Alan uh, Shepard, uh, the, the president of Miro really enjoyed my time watching the, the games. And it was really cool to watch. That was down in uh, Fort Union point, as we call it down there in Weymouth last year. Uh, right. Where's the lo where's the location this year? Is it the same place or same place? It'd be okay. Union point. Yeah. Point in Weymouth. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And you, promote, to... you gave us a check, didn't you, for Phil's last I ride. did. You, yeah, you I sure did. Dyed your hair and you I colored did. it all for yep. youth rugby. We appreciate that. Yeah. Might have to do something else like that this year because I'm planning on growing the mullet back out. So might as well do it for charity. We'll have to come up oh, with some different fantastic. ideas about that. Maybe I'll have to dye it pink or something like that if we raise a certain <laughs> amount of money. Well, yeah, for sure. But uh, oh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it'd be a fantastic. Really hope to be, uh, be able to come out to the Bay State Games once again this year. That'd be a blast. But I appreciate you being on here, Jennifer. Any closing thoughts for the Rangers out there? No, I appreciate you having me on. It's been great. And I look forward to seeing everybody at the uh, at the Free Jacks. You should come by the tent and say hello to us. Absolutely. So we can show you where your local club is. You want to sign up for your idea. local club. Yeah. That's great. a great idea. So make everybody out there that's listening to this, make sure you stop by the tent so you can get an idea of where the local club is. Maybe sign your kid up uh, for some, some rugby. That'd be great. Yeah. All right. With that being said, I've got one word for everybody to exit the video in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am joined with my good friend, David Lawrence from the Scrum of the Earth podcast, and we have a very, very special guest this time around. He is a Seattle sports icon. He is the Broccoli Guy. Broccoli Guy, how the hell are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. It's really good to be here today. Thanks so for having me on. 
Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> David, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm much better now. The the broccoli guy vibe. It's infectious. I'm already the energy. Like, hey, yeah, I try. Go time. It's, it's it's good vibes all around for sure. I wanted to yeah. ask you, broccoli guy, where are you from? I think we kind of get the gist of it, but give us the rundown. <laughs> yeah. So I officially I live in Puyallup, Washington. Okay. Um, I was born in California, but I've been I've been living in Washington for. 32 years so okay. i'm a pacific northwestern guy that's great um yeah i really like it up here uh, i like to travel but and i might move somewhere else in my life maybe eventually but i see myself being a pacific northwest i i like it up here a lot so yeah very good so the rain doesn't bother you i guess huh the, you know, it's, it's intense, right? Like I, I like the rain a lot, but it does get to be a lot. Um, especially this time of year, uh, as it gets into March and spring, it just becomes super beautiful here. So that's been nice. And, you know, I do like the rain. It's kind of nice to, um, it's, I like being when it's rainy and cold and wet out, it's kind of nice to dance in it and just be like, you know what? I'm just going to get cold and wet today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, but then when the sun's come out, it's really beautiful up right, here. Right. Um, towards baseball season and, and towards, I would say like the middle of rugby season is like right when it starts like, okay, here we go. Um, nice. So yeah, uh, you can kind of see the sun beaming down yeah. on me right now, but uh yeah, it was hailing earlier today really bad. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a mess in, in the Washington area around this time. We just kind of deal with it, but <laughs> Very it's good. a beautiful mess. Well, yeah. I just had a thunderstorm come through here in Manchester, which is the first one of the season. Oh. It, was, it was rocking the apartment, but yeah. Um, normally, we have snow around this time of year, so I, I think we should be fortunate to see a little <laughs> bit of sun. I think it was like 55 was, degrees today, which is warm for us, you know, around this You know, it was, it's funny we were talking about weather because the, the only time I was in Quincy, I've been in New England a bit, but uh, Quincy, the game was uh, kind of like the weather we had today. It was like hailing. If you remember this, it yeah. was hailing really bad for a while, and then the sun came out. I think it hailed again, but I felt right at home. I was like, this is this is exactly what's <laughs> yeah. going on in March. <laughs> if I recall correctly, that was the unicorn game, and there was a double it was. rainbow. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Rainbow. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there we're was about... I didn't know the unicorn thing. I just came in. I was like, oh wow, a lot of people like unicorn. I guess it's like a I didn't know. It was so cool though. And I think, do you have a theme every game then? Or what's right. the deal with that? I I yeah, love it because I think this one is uh like nautical themed. It's like that's right, yeah. It's you're a, not yacht, a yacht, yacht or something. Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> I'll have to plan an outfit accordingly. <laughs> there you go. It'll be great. Um we do have some captain hats. We've got spare captain hats that we're gonna bring to the game. Nice. So if you want one of those, Excellent. we'll definitely pass it over. Excellent. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll definitely have our outfits uh, all coordinated <laughs> and situated for that for the game. I wanted to ask Amazing. you what is what is the origin story of Broccoli Guy? How did this this phenomenon <laughs> come about yeah it's a good question and you know it i probably answer when i go to games i probably answer it like 10 20 times a game yeah. i never get tired of answering it because i love people being interested in it but there is actually a story behind it um and it started at 
this football game called the Famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which is kind of one of those third-tier college bowl games. Yeah. I love the third-tier bowl games, by the way. But, um, yeah, if you've ever heard of the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, like it's mm-hmm. it's that, but, like, for – and Rose Bowl is like you got to go 11-0 and 0 and be the best in the Pac-12. This is like you got to go 7-6 and six and be, like, really good in the <laughs> map or something like that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the teams that go to it, like, really want to be there. It's really cool because, like, we really want to win the Pito Bowl. This is this is a cool trophy for our school to have. But uh, I go to that every year just because, um, I don't know, I love that there's a football game sponsored by vegetables, sponsored by potatoes. I think that's really cool. That's pretty cool, for sure. Um, yeah. So I started going in, I think, 2014. Um, I started going to that game, saw it on ESPN one year, and was like, this is my kind of vibe right here. Mm-hmm. So I make the trip down. I went a few years. I brought signs with me. Uh, one year, uh, as I was going up, uh, I was I needed an energy drink, so I stopped at Safeway and got an energy drink. And as I was leaving, I saw a display of russet potatoes. And I thought to myself, you know what? I, I'm going to bring those potatoes in and dance with them. And because it's the potato bowl, I think something will happen, right? Yeah. Like if I'm just dancing with potatoes. So I, uh, I ended up doing that and I got, um, I got featured on the Jumbotron. Like I got my own, they zoomed in on me and everything. <laughs> and as I was leaving the stadium, everyone was like, dude, you're the guy with the, you dance with the potatoes. Oh my gosh. This is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I decided I wanted to keep doing that. So I went again the next year. It's every year. So right. I basically chilled out for a year, went back, did it again. And, um, this time around, I got pretty good at dancing. Um, and I'm still getting better at dancing. I, I'm always getting better at dancing. But um, I was good enough to the point where people, when they started, like, oh, this is kind of funny. Right. Yep. <laughs> so um, the, uh, the camera crew was down at the bottom before the game started. And I just went over there and, and politely said, hey, uh, if you need any content during the game, I do have potatoes. I will be dancing with them uh, <laughs> very politely. Um, and uh, they ended up filming me. They ended up getting me. And sure enough, about 10 seconds after they stopped filming me, my phone started blowing up. And all my friends were like, dude, you just like you just got you made it on the ESPN. You wow. made it onto the broadcast. Uh, as I was going back that night, because I was going from Boise uh, back to Washington, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my phone started blowing up again and I found out I made sports center, uh, nice. and I didn't just make sports center. Like I was on the, uh, I was on the recap of the, the potato bowl, but, um, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Scott Van Pelt was yeah. like, literally like talking about me for seven yeah. seconds. Nice. Um, so anyway, from there I decided, you know, I really want to keep dancing with <laughs> This is pretty fun. So um, I decided on broccoli because it looks like pom-poms and it's my favorite vegetable. And it's just like very, it's big and vibrant. Like if you're the opposite side of the stadium and you see me, even from far away, you can kind of be like, I think that guy's dancing with broccoli. Is that guy dancing with broccoli? 
honey, 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 is that broccoli? And usually enough people will know me that will, right. someone will be like, oh, yeah, no, that's broccoli guy. That's right. that broccoli guy. There's a, he's a thing. Yeah, he does that every game. It's so fun. Um, but yeah, that's the origin story is uh, born out of potatoes. And Incredible. I still go every year, too. Um, yeah. To uh, to I pay homage you, to you my roots. A, you posted a frightening video of getting there this year when it's just <laughs> just a whiteout and you're on the road and you're just like, doo -doo, <laughs> on the way to the ball. What type of travel time yeah. is that to get there from Seattle to Boise? What what? Uh, how long is that? To so get there? you know, and I went with my dad this year, so we actually just stayed in a hotel. Mm -hmm. um, and usually it's not that snowy, David, it was really bad this year. Um, usually it's, it's fairly chill, but this year was like, felt like I was in the Donner party or something. I was like, <laughs> dude, am I, am I making it up? Are they going to have like an RIP potato guy? Like, <laughs> so good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's about, you see, usually I do it in one shot. My dad was there this time we needed a hotel, but. Uh, usually I'll wake up at about five or six in the morning okay. or maybe even earlier, probably like more like three or four. And I, I'll drive there about seven hours or so. Okay. Okay. And okay. I'll get there at 11 uh, games at one stadium opens two hours early. That's one of my things that I always get there as early as I possibly can right. um, where no one's in the audience. So that when, you know, when people look at me, they're like, Oh, there he is. Yeah. There's a guy mm -hmm. dancing with potatoes here today. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's seven hours there and then the game happens. Let's see. So the game's around one, this is mountain time. We're going in and out of different time zones, but mm -hmm. game will finish around five and then I'll drive back. I'll drive all the way home Oh wow! Uh, and just ride the energy from everything that's going on right. uh, and then get home at about 12, one o'clock in the morning. So it's a, long it's day. a full, yeah, yeah, it's a full, I mean, it's almost 24 hours worth yeah. of uh, everything. 15 hours of driving for a three hour game. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. pretty much for for a three hour game about potatoes with yeah it's it's wild it's wild what I do but <laughs> it really does mean a lot to me and that's yeah. the most important part so um but yeah that's I, I don't think I'll ever stop going to that game and I actually right by me I actually have the beanie from the bowl nice. game itself. That's um, a good looking beanie yeah. I'm not gonna lie yeah. Oh, it's great. You know, one year they, uh, I, I came and they just gave me a backpack full of goodies with, they gave all the teams these backpacks and they're like, you know what, we're going to give this dancing potato guy a backpack. I too. thought you were going to so. say a backpack full of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, We've got you a know, sack of potatoes here for you. There's yeah. a, there's a few really fun parts of the game and um one of them is actually that the trophy is a glass bowl of potatoes it's That's like literally like every other trophy is a trophy this is a glass bowl of and they're really good potatoes i mean they pick like the 12 best potatoes <laughs> they can find and then the other funny thing about this game <laughs> is that uh they instead of a gatorade bath um, they actually fill a Gatorade bucket full of French fries, oh, and so the God. winning yeah, it's wild, dude. Uh, the winning team, so uh, the winning coach will get French fries dumped on him at the end of the game. <laughs> um, and then if you know what Smurf turf is, it's that Boise State blue yep. yes. turf. That's oh, where they play it. So okay. it's a very weird bowl game. 
um, that just happens to be on ESPN. It's just it's right up my alley of of what sporting is to me. What what it means to be a great sporting event. So yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> they know how to party there in go. Boise, Idaho, for sure. Absolutely. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I feel if you oh, if you sure sold a Gatorade bucket full of French fries, people would just buy it. I agree. I yeah. bet so. Yeah, like at a bar or something. Bucket of fries. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would sell like hotcakes. My next question for you, Broccoli <laughs> Guy, is what is your origin story with rugby? Because I feel like, you know, were you a, a rugby guy prior to the Seawolves coming yeah. to town? Or what's the story there? So my, um, my experience, I went to Western Washington University, and there's a fairly big rugby culture there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I knew some guys that played, and I would go to their parties, right? That was my main experience. Like, we didn't have... Um, we didn't have fraternities or sororities at Western. So um, my, a lot of my party experience was going to these dang rugby parties that were like, <laughs> I mean, very intense. Yes. Rugby people yep. know how to party. Um, yes, they do. So that's kind of where I learned a lot of rugby culture. But uh, the rugby thing didn't come until later. Um, and I, I talked about earlier how I kind of thought of broccoli as like, my next vegetable to dance with. Um, and uh, I started dancing at XFL Dragons games in around 2020. Okay. And uh, that's right when COVID hit and all this other stuff happened. But uh, the Seawolves saw me dancing with broccoli at XFL Dragons and very, uh, in my opinion, very smartly reached out to me and said, hey, you know, uh, when we come back, Wow. We want you at our stadium. I think, nice. I think what you do would work really well with rugby, and mm -hmm. they were right. Um, yes. uh, it's and it's been really cool. And so over the past is my third year now dancing uh, at SeaWolves games, and mm -hmm. I'm a rugby guy now. I, I watch Love the it. I watch the replays. Um, I know the players now, so I am one of those. Hey, Rocky! Rocky's, oh, Rocky's chat, watching. Shout out to Rocky, but yes, um, I am a rugby guy through and through over the past three years, and it kind of started slow, right? I was because it's a very, uh, I mean, it's similar sport in a lot of ways, but um, there's a lot of things that really throw. Like, I mean, when you watch it and you see those crosses on the field instead of the yard lines. A lot of people are thrown off by that type of stuff. So yeah. um, it, it was a, uh, I wouldn't say a super slow way into rugby, but it took a little while for me to be like, okay, this is rugby. This is what it is. But um, really what made me fall in love with it is, is the sport itself is super engaging, right? It's important yes. for the sport itself to, to, to be engaging for me to watch mm -hmm. it. But um, the people, right. And here's a good example I'm freaking talking to you two free right. Jack guys yep. and I'm over here in Seattle, but I, I love the free Jacks and I love all these teams that the fans are always super supportive. Yes. Um, rugby sevens. This is another interesting thing that I didn't quite know. And I plan on supporting uh, rugby sevens a lot more in the future, but mm -hmm. apparently what I do is, is a very rugby sevens kind yes. of thing. Um, yes. And I'm thinking specifically of that guy that dresses up as an avocado and paints his, I don't know if you know this guy, 
paints, he has his big belly, yeah. and he dresses up in an avocado, and then his belly is showing, and he paints his belly like an avocado pit. Yep. Um, but I remember the first time I met Dal in Stanford, he was like, oh, this is kind of a rugby sevens thing yes. you're doing in a 15s uh, setup. And I was like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking I don't know what seven. I was like, what? This is named after how many players are on the field. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's been super cool, like doing my thing in this uh, different sport that I wasn't, uh, uh, didn't know much about and mm -hmm. seeing people go, yes, this is rugby right here. Because mm -hmm. um, I had no idea. I'm just kind of doing my own thing and right. somehow fit into the whole picture. So it's been so cool. I, I just love rugby. Um, and I love the Sea Wolves, and I love the. I mean, there's a there's a a bunch of teams that I really appreciate. So yeah, and, and I so, know yeah. Hong Kong yeah, Sevens was this weekend. Dallas Stanford's right. happy place, the South yes. Stand. Yeah, Hong Kong Sevens. A lot of characters in yeah. there. They like to dress up. It's very much a tradition. I yeah. know, you know, and and it's funny. I see because they always do fan compilations because the fans are so important to Sevens. But mm -hmm. yeah, I gotta go soon. Um. I'm I, I mostly stick to the MLR. I the the main thing I the, uh, experience I had with the sevens was I went to there was a tournament at Starfire a while back. I'm okay. trying to remember the it was a big tournament. I can't remember the the exact name of it, but um yeah, I went to that and I mean it was just like a perfect fit. It was <laughs> everyone who saw me. There was, I think there was a player from Colorado that saw me and she's like, oh my gosh, broccoli guy. And she like went to her bag and pulled out a carrot. And I was like, wait, how did you get, she's like, yeah, I just bring carrot, like full carrots with me. So I took a picture with this rugby player with a carrot and some broccoli, but it's just like, this is so perfect. This is such a good fit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you fit in uh, with rugby for sure. The, the culture that, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's very much like a, a party atmosphere. And the Free Jacks have been very successful in bringing that sevens type of festival yeah. atmosphere into 15. Yeah. So I think uh, it's, a, it's a great marriage between you coming over to Fort Quincy and doing your thing there. So let's oh, talk about yeah. that for I'm a moment. I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. Because there's an exciting <laughs> announcement that we want to get to. You, uh, We want to share with the Rangers out there that you will be in attendance once again at Fort Quincy on April the 8th, which is the next home game against uh, Chicago. Obviously, you know, last time we had you, uh, Seattle had made the cross-country trek to Fort Quincy yeah. and, you, and you were able to watch your home team but uh seattle's yeah. not coming to us we're going to yeah. them this season and by the way i'll be at that game we'll get to that a little bit later on but i just wanted to ask you what were your impressions of fort quincy last season when you visited when seattle came to town yeah so um I, first off i was scared i was very scared mm -hmm. uh to bring broccoli in and and do all that i mean you just never i mean it's um, and I've been on TV a few times now, and and it's like, oh, cool, he's been, but um, you just never know. At the end of the day, you're, uh, I'm a guy bringing broccoli into a stadium right. and hoping for the best. Yeah. And um, doesn't matter how many. I, I mean, I can get on TV a hundred more times, and I'm still like, shit, dude. I really hope. I really <laughs> hope people like broccoli today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it's a weirdly controversial thing, but um, yeah, I uh, you never know, especially with East Coast sports fans. I mean, that's another realm. And um, 
it was funny because I was uh, I was at a Mariners game about two or three years ago, probably. This is before I came to Quincy, which, mm -hmm. by the way, I'm pronouncing it correctly. Please give me props to that. It's Quincy. Yes, I know that is. because my aunt and uncle um, <laughs> told me before we got up there. But um, you nailed it. I yeah. uh, I thank you. I was at a uh, I was at a Mariners game and they're playing the Red Sox and okay. um, there was a Red Sox fan. He came in and for you know probably six innings he was just very confused and uh, finally I, I broke through to him. However way I did, you know, I was dancing enough that he was like, "Yeah, this guy seems cool." So I uh, called me over and asked, you know, kind of asked me what you asked me before, like where, how the heck did this happen? Right. Um. So I told him, he's like, I, you're awesome, dude. And I said, I asked him if I went to like a Red Sox game, would I just get eaten alive by your fans? And he goes, he went, no, dude, the, the shit you do would work anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I yep. kind of, I was like, okay, okay. This like true blue Boston Red Sox fan. Mm -hmm. uh, just told me that, that, that this would work anywhere. So I got a little confidence off of that. I think that's, really what I rode coming into Quincy for that yeah. game. But um, yeah, I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know. Uh, I, yeah. It's just, you never know that kind of thing, especially at a new stadium, mm -hmm. uh, new place. I'm a Seawolves fan, right? So yep. that's, there's a lot of things that I felt were going against me. So I was like, mm -hmm. we're really going to find out what, what's going to happen here. And sure enough, it was, it, absolutely amazing it was yeah. great everyone was so nice to me um uh i just had such a good time uh, i got to do like the halftime show there was a dance off i did with a unicorn yeah um, i remember that yeah but yeah i just um i was just so thankful you just have no idea um i just get so nervous doing this sometimes so mm -hmm. when you can and and uh alex who i believe owns the team right the yeah like when i came in he like shook my hand um mm -hmm. i mean a lot of times and this is funny i uh, I'll, I'll tell this story really quickly but a lot of times you don't even know if you can bring broccoli into a stadium right some mm -hmm. and um when i went to see the sea wolves in uh jersey when they're in the finals they wouldn't let broccoli in uh, and wow. so I, so what I had to do, this is wild. Um, I actually broke the broccoli into florets and I put <laughs> it in a plastic bag and I snuck it under my, I put it in my romper and okay. snuck it into the stadium, got into the bathroom and I had rubber bands and I was like putting the broccoli back. I'm like, I am 33 years old and Jesus. I love that this is my life. You know what? <laughs> It's almost like you had to smuggle in a controlled substance through the border there, broccoli guy. By the way, an another right. reason, another reason not to like New Jersey slash New York. Just throwing exactly. that out there. Exactly. Yet another reason. Yeah. And, yeah, it was. Um, they, you know, the final was at their MLS stadium for the. I think it's the New York Red Bulls. So I think yeah. they had a different security team. So no shade towards New York security team. I think it was just like. Um, yeah. Oh, I can't remember who someone asked about it, and they're like, "Absolutely not," because they probably had never heard of me. They're like, dude, I don't want to deal with this guy. <laughs> so so I don't know if you even remember oh. at, at Fort Quincy. At one point, you're dancing away, and and like some Boston fans are like, "I want to say something. I gotta say something." <laughs> hey, Brussels sprouts are better. And you, went, <laughs> and you were dancing. And you went, 
okay. <laughs> you know, that's a common heckle is, is people will be like, I like carrots better. I'm like, Hey, I'm okay oh, with carrots. Like, yeah, exactly. If you yeah. want to, if you want to yell about how great vegetables are at a sporting event, I'm on your side right I now. It. I will not argue against that. One time, you know, one time I got a pretty bad, there, there was someone that legitimately like wanted to throw me off at a hockey game. And, um, they were like, they started chanting Buffalo wings, Buffalo wings. Cause it's like unhealthy. Right. And I like turned towards them. I'm like, I love Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. If you want to yell about a food, wings, like, food's good. Um, yeah. but that's funny. Uh, the Brussels sprouts thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you want to talk about vegetables, that's great. Let's talk about vegetables. Yeah. Um, cauliflower, I get a lot too. But um, yeah, that is a surprisingly I've heard that heckle quite a few times, and I always love it. I always love it. <laughs> so they were pretty thrown off, and I was like, "Yeah, cool, Brussels sprouts." Yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah, I th I think you you might take a lot. You might have to get like a backpack, but you should just bring other vegetables in case people you know want to heckle you. You can just pull that out too. You know. <laughs> Just be like, hey, I got this too. You know, whatever. I got uh, that too. Yeah. Uh, let's. Talk yeah, about I uh, romaine lettuce is one that I really like dancing with. So I do dance with other vegetables at times, usually during minor league events. But uh, wow. normally it's broccoli, and especially rugby, it's always going to be broccoli. Like I, I just can't. You can't change it's, that. It's, that's that's the rugby thing. thing. It's, it's not serious. <laughs> I guess some vegetables are harder to dance with than others. You know, I haven't really tried yeah. this out myself, but it kind of makes sense, right? I guess with yeah, well, sprouts, like, you might want to just juggle them if you, you know, if you juggling. You, I don't know how to juggle, so that's okay, why I've never go. done. It's like if you don't know how to juggle, Brussels sprouts is out because you can't be just sure. like. Yeah, like people aren't gonna know what the heck you're doing. Right. Um exactly. cauliflower I've gotten a lot, but those don't have handles. So you gotta remember that. So I've never yeah, tried yeah. it with that. Uh romaine sense. lettuce though works really well. It flaps in the wind. You feel really cool when you dance with I know it. how I feel. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> David gets it. David gets it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I uh, just wanted to, because I'm going to be, like I said earlier, I'm going to be visiting Seattle when the Jacks play the Sea yeah. in June. What are mm -hmm. some of the must-see tourist attractions that I have to see in Seattle? You're, you're the expert in this realm. Yeah, so um, let's, because there's the usual stuff, like the Space Needle is great. Yeah. Uh, really cool to check that out. And the science center around it, it's called the, uh, the Pacific Science Center. Okay. Um, but that's a really cool place to check out. And if you're a Bill Nye the Science Guy fan, mm -hmm. um, he grew up in Seattle and he's from oh, Seattle. So wow. a lot of the stuff in that show, and it's probably been forever since a lot of people have seen it. Mm -hmm. I That's my favorite show, so I watch it all the time. But um, he goes to that place quite a bit to get his okay. uh, some of his filming. So that's a cool place. Uh if we're going Bill Nye the Science Guy, let's talk about Dick's Drive-In, which is a great hamburger place uh, oh. to go to that was featured on the Food Web episode of Bill Nye. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Dick's Drive-In, I would say, is like a classic hamburger spot in Seattle. I would definitely check that out. All right. Um, Science Center, Space Needle. I mean, what, what else are the usual? There's like the Pike Place Market. Right. It's really good. Um Let's talk about some like off the wall stuff. Though. There we go. Now we're of... talking. Yeah, yeah. 
some stuff that I specifically like. Um, <laughs> oh, now I'm blanking on like uh, I, you, you know, know I kind of game. Oh wait, oh come on. Oh, yeah, that? and and there is Climate Pledge Arena, which yes. actually uses the same roof as Key Arena, which is where the Sonics played. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, Phil, what you really got to do is um take a ride with me in my beautiful 2010 toyota prius sounds amazing i actually have a specific route that i like to drive that kind of goes on some back road places uh in seattle let's do um, it let's yeah weird. yeah if you want to do that uh we should totally do that uh there's great teriyaki places in seattle um okay. Which I didn't even know. I just, because I'm from here, I was just like, oh, yeah, teriyaki chicken is everywhere. It's not. It's not everywhere. But Seattle has a lot of really good teriyaki chicken places. Um, I would say the Ave, which is, um, that's kind of where, it's like an avenue close to University of Washington. Um, okay, and it has yeah. a lot of, like, cool used video game stores, Ooh, used yeah. record stores, really go. good food there. Um yeah. That's where I would take you if, if um, I mean, well, when, when we, when you get here, we can plan. Uh, but that, yeah, uh, that place is really fun to go up and down. Uh, that's where I get all my Game Boy Advance games as I, as I usually will go to the Ave and uh, there's two really good stores up there and some other good stuff there as well. So yeah, there's sounds a few like places. A yeah, that sounds like I appreciate the recommendations. I know that Caitlin, uh, my girlfriend, was really big into the uh, what is that movie called? Uh, the the Twilight series. Um, so we're gonna go. Oh, we're gonna make a trip forks. out to Forks and Lapuka. Definitely Beach, do yeah. that. That's yeah. and that's a. Uh, it's not just um something like uh how do I put this? Twilight fans that go there, it's virtually like huge recommendation from. Mm -hmm. It's not just like. Oh yeah, I went to Forks. It was okay. It's right. like Twilight fans who go there, like, dude, that was really cool. Yes, I got to yes. go there. So yeah, definitely go to Forks if 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 that's one of her things. That's uh, a really cool experience. And I have friends who are Twilight fans. Are like, yes, that place is awesome. So cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. and I don't think that they use that place much in the movie, but right. I heard. Uh, the the backstories. I guess the writer of that series was like, "What is the like the gloomiest possible place <laughs> in the United States?" Because that's where I want to base my book. This is actually what I heard. This is, and she looked up like the rainfall percentage or some some kind of stat, and it yeah. brought her to Forks, Washington. So there you go. Fun fact, I, I did an Oregon lottery commercial years ago. Uh, I was in an Oregon lottery commercial. And one of the actresses was uh, from from uh, that one of those movies. Wow. Okay. <laughs> just, yeah, I always use that as like um, uh, my friend's big into Twilight. And that whenever I big timer, I'm like, you know, I was in a commercial with one of the actors. <laughs> That's great, I like man. big time and people from time to time. There you go. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Broccoli Guy. We do a lot of that around here in Boston. Um, final question for me, at least. Um, last Halloween, I did dress up uh, as you on David's special Halloween you did. episode of his podcast. What yeah. are some of your favorite Halloween costumes that you've ever worn? <sighs> I love this question. Completely blindsided. Yeah. But I love it. Um, so, 
My favorite costume, I, there's two that I'm really proud of. Okay. Uh, when I was three, this is one that, this is an honorable mention. When I was three, I was Puss in Boots. It was really cute. Nice. Um, I just, I mean, I was just a three-year-old with these big-ass boots and, like, whiskers <laughs> drawn on my face. It's cute, right? Cute. Traditional, yeah. cute, beautiful. Um, I, uh, my top two favorite costumes, uh, one year I went as, uh, the guy in Goldeneye. If you remember the level in Goldeneye, where you're in, it's the second level, you're in the vent system, and then you come down and there's that guy in the bathroom. Yes. I dressed up as that guard taking a dump in the bathroom. Wow, incredible, <laughs> incredible. So I had a toilet seat. I had, um, I mean, I printed out, the, you know that like weird polygon face? Yes, like I yep. found one and blew it up and then printed it out and cut eye holes out of it. Are there photos um, of this somewhere? I've got to I, see I oh cannot for the life of me find any photos of that. Um, Incredible. But I'm really sad too because it was a really good costume. That's and the funny part is I did this costume competition and um, no one knew what the heck I was yeah. doing. Everyone was a little confused. But the, the guy running the competition like knew exactly what I was okay. doing. Yep. And so I wouldn't get hardly any cheer because it was based off of cheers and crowd reaction. I got hardly any cheers, but he just kept being like, and you know what? Uh, guy taking a dump in level two of GoldenEye. Come on. <laughs> I just got to the top three purely because the guy running the competition That's knew hilarious. what I was. Yeah, you know, sometimes um, and there's then, a danger of being too obscure with costumes, but that's a really, really <laughs> good. That's a good one right there. Uh, yeah, for the people that knew it, it was like, oh shit! Exactly. Like, because I had a toilet seat, I had a newspaper, wow. I had the whole thing going on. Incredible. Um, and then my favorite costume is actually uh, one year I went as it was right when that Thirty for Thirty came out about Steve Bartman. Okay. Um, oh man. That, and. Uh, I got really into him because um, kind of like nice guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Like I just kind of, um, I've been in that situation before where it's just like, man, I goofed up, but like, I didn't mean to. And so I, uh, one year I went as him for Halloween. Um, and I had the, I mean, I had the turtleneck and the crew neck with the renegades print. Wow. Um, Cause I think he had, he had a he coached for a little league team, so he had a Renegades little league. I had the whole thing going on. Dang, um, that's wild. Yeah. And uh, I had the Walkman. I had like the the headphones and all that. So um, that was. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and going, "Oh man, like I feel like Steve Bartman right now." Yeah, and Steve Bartman, for people who don't know, is the guy that yeah. stuck his hand out during the playoff game, mm -hmm. uh, during the the Cubs versus Marlins when when the Cubs were supposed to go to the World Series, which is always a problem when you're yeah. supposed to go to the World Series yes. as a fan base. You're like, yep. we're supposed to. Um, so, yeah, uh, those are my two favorite costumes with the honorable mention of Puss in Boots before Puss in Boots was um, became popular again with yes. Shrek and all that, of course. Um, uh, yeah, I was I, – I was there, but and of course, people who actually read the nursery rhyme in the Middle Ages, like, dude, you weren't there before. It was cool. I liked it in the 1400s, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll tell you what, Broccoli Guy, we've asked that question, obviously around Halloween, quite a bit when we've asked, yeah. you know, coaches, players, staff of the Free Jacks and stuff like that. But your answers are the absolute <laughs> best right By there. By far. By far. I mean, when, no, thank you. Award, like, that, that obviously wasn't intentional, but that ended up being the best question you've ever oh, asked. You know, oh, thank you. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Go, well, yeah, I am. Um, and I don't do Halloween every year, but like when there's a, oh, can we talk about one more? There's one more costume. Let's hear I it. went as Joe Souza, um, who is, so uh, I'm, boxing is my favorite sport of all time. Really? Right? Wow. Yes. Okay. So we could, I mean, if we want to talk Mickey Ward, we can, but right now I'm going to talk about Arturo Gotti, uh, who is my favorite boxer. Very exciting. Um, but, uh, one of the things about Artur Gotti is his face would cut up all the time during fights. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got really into cut men who are the guys who kind of like, okay, have like yeah. the cotton swabs and yeah. that, uh, that, that metal thing that they press into you. And, yes. um, and so one year I went as Joe Souza, who's Arturo Gotti's cut man. Um, so and I had the whole thing. I had the, the yeah, that one. It's like the golden eye level two one. It's like hit 30%. This was like literally 0% of anyone, yes. but it was just right. like for me. And I was like, I love Joe Souza. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> I don't know so how we're going to top this part of the show, but uh, we're going to try with David Lawrence's questions are up next. Thank You're just you going to so have much. to turn into a Halloween podcast, I guess. Oh, my gosh. I, oh. I had no idea Joe where this Susan. conversation was going to end up, but I probably should have known it was right here, right now. <laughs> there you go. Perfect transition into you, David. Oh, my gosh. That's so excellent. Uh, I've, I've only got a, a few things for you, but I'm going to spring a quiz on you to finish us okay. off. So okay. Okay. Looking forward to that. Um, so the the first thing I had written down was just great to see you. Love the yeah. positive energy as always. I can't wait to be Thank dancing you. with you next week. It's only next Saturday. It's a week from today. It's going to be so awesome. So exciting. Yeah. So one of my questions, though, uh, guessing it's a little more serious. Um, you're a substitute teacher. How yeah. is that going? So I actually did that last year and I found it oh. to be like hell. And uh, I just wonder what's your secret? Because you obviously you keep this, this upbeat attitude all the time and you have yeah. what's to me like the hardest job I've ever had. So uh, what's your secret? It, it's really tough. Um, and the thing that I've really had to work on through the years is patience and just understanding, and, and I teach a lot of like kindergarten and first grade, um, as well as everything else. I mean, I can teach any age. It's kind of uh, part of substitute teaching for me is like being able to go to any classroom and teach any age. And I actually, I haven't done stand up in a while, but I've done stand up since 2006. Um, and so it kind of comes from that, uh, from just, if you're a great comedian, you walk into any room, any audience, and you can make them laugh. It kind of goes with broccoli. Uh, if I'm a great broccoli dancer, I can go into any stadium and people will see what I do and go, okay, you know what? Yeah. This guy's pretty cool. Uh, substitute teaching is the same. I can walk into any classroom and make it work. Um, but uh, it's, it's tough. And patience is probably the toughest part for me is just knowing that uh, kids are not uh, doing what they do to make me upset. 
they are doing that because they are kids and they're doing the best they can. Um, so the most important thing with substitute teaching is meeting the classroom where they're at. Cause sometimes mm. I'll like have these expectations in, in my head yep. uh, and then the class will come in and it just doesn't quite match my expectations. Maybe they need more love. Maybe they're a little more chaotic than, than planned. Um, and, and that has to do with the teacher and that has to do with them. And, and I have to kind of, uh, you know, in the first 20 or 30 minutes, look at that and go, okay, how can I adjust my expectations? How can we make this work? Because um, you're working together with, with the classroom. Um, and a lot of times the, the perception is like, oh, I'm the adult, so I'm going to kind of lead and you all have to listen to me, which is, I mean, sounds good, but uh, uh, you're new to the classroom. If you're a substitute teacher, you're, you're a visitor. You're on the visiting team uh, when you're in that classroom. And so you really have to, we can go back to when I was at Quincy last, right? You have to have that buy-in from the home team. Like, okay, this guy's here to, to help us succeed. He's not against us. He's not here to tell us what to do. He's here because he wants us to succeed today. So I go in it from that angle. And usually kids, it's pretty cool because a lot of times, uh, like a few weeks ago, I had a fourth grade class, and I think within a minute, uh, one of them was like, dude, you're really nice. Uh, and a bunch of other kids like, dude, you're real, like, kind of all agreed. And and within a minute, everyone was kind of bought in, like, we're going to work with this guy here. But um, when you can, when, when you can get the students bought into like, yeah, this guy's here for us. We want to be here for him. I think that's when you get some really good days. Um and I pride myself on, because I think a lot of other people, it's funny because I'm a broccoli guy. And so people are like, oh, broccoli guy teaching. It's probably just like he comes in. It's just fun all day, which I do make it really fun. But uh, it's important that we get the work done as well. Um, but I've had uh, uh, one of my favorite compliments to get from kids is uh, you, we have really fun, but you also get, we get the work done too. But when we get the work done, you're making it really fun. So um, I think that's really cool uh, to, uh, it's just important to take the teaching part seriously. And um, I've actually stopped mentioning that I'm broccoli guy anymore to uh, classrooms. I let the teaching speak for itself. Um, and then if the kids see me, it was funny because I didn't tell anyone. I actually had this class for two days uh, last week and a uh, first grader came in the second day and he's like, you've been on TV. And I was like, yeah, cool. cool, cool, cool. But this kid like definitely like put the pieces together, maybe like wow. talk to his parents or I don't know what happened, but he definitely knew. And I didn't, I didn't say anything about it. Really. I just, pretty much. I just was like, yeah, I've been on the TV. Cool, right cool. Zone, he just rubber banded those florets together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There you go. That is such a good analogy. I'm going to use that now. You rubber banded the florets together in the bathroom of the Red New York Red Bulls. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I didn't ask him how he figured out, but he just kind of like something happened, but he came in. He's like, dude, I've seen you before. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I, I take sub substitute teaching is kind of historically it's kind of like been i wouldn't say looked down on but it's not been treated 
very importantly, I would say. Um, and uh, I actually just got a contract this year. It's um, by the teachers, not just uh, the kids. You get disrespected from all sides. Yeah, yeah, and and you're kind of just looked past a little bit, just kind of like, oh, he's he's like the backup, right? But it's like. No, I got to know how to run the play clock, and I got to do a razzle-dazzle. It's kind of like um, uh, Gardner Minshew, if you know Gardner Minshew. He's a Washington State guy. He's the mustache. Backup quarterback, but it's like people like that guy. Like people – when when Jalen Hurts gets injured, it's too bad that he did, but it's also people are like, oh, but, dude, now we get to see how Gardner Minshew does. So Minshew-mania. I like to kind of think of it like that. Um, it's like, oh, cool. Let's see how this guy does. And I do pretty good. Um, I also uh, liken it to a bullpen pitcher, right? The the uh, uh, substitute teaching is kind of like coming out of the bullpen, right? Um, and these the classroom teachers, they uh, they're there day in, they day day out. They face the lineup a few times. They go through the lineup a bunch. They have a bunch of pitches. Uh, my job is to come out when they need me. Uh, to get my two or three outs to throw straight gas the entire time, which for me is, is you know, if I was a pitcher, uh, if we're comparing my teaching style to pitching, I could probably throw like a 98 mile an hour. But I also have a really good uh, off-speed pitch that can throw people oh, off. Nice. But um, you're, the Mariano, yeah. you're the Mariano Rivera of teaching. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Oh, man, I and I love Mariano Rivera, and I've always had a fascination with uh, – bullpens uh mm-hmm. part of, when growing up I, I watched a lot of mariners and i was always obsessed with being a bullpen pitcher for the mariners um yeah so anyway you know so i had my little script here i'm just gonna throw it away for now until we get to our okay. quiz just because I, I just gotta say like i've been having a couple of tough weeks and here i am laughing so hard that mm-hmm. tears came oh. to my eyes and like Thank you for that. It's it's the yeah, no problem. The reason Phil was wise enough to reach out to you to do this in the first place. Like I said, I didn't know what to expect, and it's just so fantastic. You're just oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I try, I try to uh, be a positive light. So thank you. That means a lot. That you are, my friend. Yep. Um, In fact, you actually kind of already answered some of my questions. I didn't know that about boxing. That's great. I always I, seem to answer. Is I think I did a job interview recently for the a substitute position, and they had like seven questions. And I think I answered three in one. Qu- they're like, actually, we just got done with three. I'm like, can I do that? <laughs> so I did, in fact, prepare a mini broccoli quiz for you to see if you are. Truly oh boy, the broccoli. <laughs> I'm ready. There's just five. For better or for worse. The first two are very easy. Uh, Okay. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. Your first two are just good old true or false (laughs) questions. Number one is the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans used to eat a lot of broccoli. True or false? Um, I'm going to say that's false because broccoli is, I know, human made. Um. I know that humans kind of like modified a few different plants together to make it. And mm. I, from my knowledge, I don't think that that took place in ancient times. So I'm going to say false. Dude, if that's true, I'm going to sound like a real fool right now. <laughs> so 
my source, which is of course is my half-assed internet research, uh-huh. <laughs> says, says it's true. But uh-huh. I, I just have a feeling okay. it's me that's going to look like a fool here. I, I mean, I want to April Fool's Day, so keep that. There up. you go. I yeah, I Mediterranean and uh, and the thing I saw said yes. The 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 Romans loved it. The Romans loved broccoli. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'd have to. I don't know. See, I'm a history major, so I I can just um, I can just use my degree to be like, yeah, well, that's not necessarily true. But I don't know. I don't actually know. The phrase you want is that's a common misconception. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Got me there. Yeah, I'm going to have to use that as well now. Yeah, that's a common misconception. <laughs> okay. Question the second. The broccoli that you and I eat is technically a premature flower. Also true or false? I think that's true. That is absolutely true. They harvest okay, it before good. the big old flowers pop out. Oh. Which are also kind of... Now I want to... Now I want to dance with the full thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, good luck finding it. I guess you'd have to grow it, right? Because they cut it down before. Yeah. Because they cut it down before. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm gonna Google image that right when I right when this ends. I'm Google imaging what it looks like. You know, aforementioned. That's so cool. (laughs) Awesome one. I'm I'm one for two. So five hundred. Let's just compare that to batting averages. That's not bad. Batting five hundred. Yeah. So I'm so, in the Hall of Fame right now. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as you, as both of you well know, broccoli, of course, is rich in vitamins and nutrients. Which of the following four vitamins does broccoli not have? Oh. Does it not have vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, or vitamin K? Oh, man. I have no idea for this one, so I'm just going to I'll go ahead and remind you that my first name is David. Oh. Okay. There you go. Okay. And your choices are A, C, D, and K. Oh, so are you telling me it's... Are you trying to hint towards me so that I am not embarrassed on live broadcast that the answer is D? Oh, there were no Vitamin hints D. at all, but you nailed it. That's exactly right. You, you that was actually going to be my last answer. I'm gonna. I'm just going to be completely honest. I was going to go uh, A first, and then K. To be fair, then I didn't C, know there was a vitamin D. K. I thought the list stopped before. I then. didn't either. That's I why I was going to go with K. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> been yeah, dude. It's, it's big in the in bang. Is bang was bang the cannabine thing? I can't. Remember. Or wait, no, I don't even remember. Bang Energy had this thing where it's like, yeah, we have this like high and newt super something or other. It's like, I don't think Bang is healthy for you, dude. I'm going <laughs> to drink it, but let's not talk about how healthy yeah, it is. Let's Come on, guys. Bad. Yeah, exactly. Let's not pretend. <laughs> yep. Okay. You're batting 666 right now. Yes. Thanks to a huge. Thanks to you throwing a 60 mile an hour right down the middle. But I, I, I deny all it. knowledge of any such <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, maybe it's the Bull Durham thing where the catcher goes out and is like, he's about to throw a heater. <laughs> uh, so, penultimate question. There are actually, of course, I'm sure you know, many, many types of broccoli. In again, my little half ass research, I found a list of at least 40 different types of broccoli wow just 
in the A like category, which of the following types is not an actual type of broccoli? We've got Amadeus, we've got Apollo, oh. and we've got Anaconda. Which of those three is not a real broccoli? Hmm. Amadeus. No, Amadeus. What's the second one? Amadeus, Apollo, and Anaconda. God, those all sound like broccolis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, this sounds like I need to get spot. Like, oh, yeah, broccoli guy. Yeah, he just got sponsored by Anaconda Broccoli, dude. Right. I like have this right. slick Anaconda like, like thing on my. Oh, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say Apollo. I'll say Apollo. Ooh, okay. The batting average is right back to 500. Okay. Anaconda, I, I totally made up. I, for some reason, I thought that one was going to stick out like a sore thumb, like, uh, you know. No, that just cruiser, sounds... It's Greek god, Dangerous yeah. Snake. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like I just need a Anaconda logo across my shirt. Like, yeah, Anaconda Broccoli. This could be your opportunity for a little startup. Anaconda Broccoli straight <laughs> out of the Pacific just Northwest. Just what I need to be doing right now on top of substitute yeah, yeah. teaching is I was gonna starting say, my own broccoli farm. I was that say, sounds like a really good sitcom. Yeah, if there's any broccoli farmers out there that want to sponsor Broccoli Guy, make sure you get in contact with him. Please do. Please do. Tonight on NBC, I will do Anaconda it. Broccoli is back for a second <laughs> season. <laughs> okay. That'd be such a good sitcom. Final question. The United States, you probably know this, is one of the top five broccoli producers in the world. Give me one of the other countries in wow. that top five. I'm going to say Mexico uh, because broccoli, a, a lot of broccoli is in California and Mexico is close. So I think Mexico is is probably another really big one. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, that's not dinging well yes! at all. But yes, yes, indeed. Mexico, 100% on that mm. list. Nailed it. So that's, that's, that's an amazing 600 you just batted. Right out of the gates, not even knowing pitches were coming. It's better that, than that. Yes. Broccoli yeah. guy, I know. Thank you. You just proved it, my friend. Go me. There you go. I'm proud. I'm really proud of that last one. That was I, I, I needed to get that one right just full. So not just like the true and false answers, but you know. Heck yeah. Thank you. Phil, thanks so much for giving me the chance to do that. I, I'm, I'm more than happy to give this guy back to Yeah, this has been fantastic. Uh, I think we just lost your uh, audio there. Sorry, I accidentally muted go. myself. Just That's saying. all right. Thank you. <laughs> You're so happy about the interview that you muted yourself. It happens. It happens. I do tend, happens. I do have that effect on people that they <laughs> manually accidentally mute themselves. So Broccoli, uh, this has been a, tr a real treat. I appreciate you being on here. Any message to the Rangers out there, the Free Jacks fans that you will be seeing at Fort Quincy on April the 8th? Yeah. I, you know, I'm just, I'm pumped to come back. I had a really good experience. I was talking to Phil earlier about this, but um, I kind of feel like the the Quincy faithful are like the Continental soldiers, right? The yes. the troops that are there every week in, week out. Um, and, and I'm talking about this because I actually wrote a 20 plus page paper, Colonial Militia, but I kind of see myself as a militia member coming in to wow. help out with this specific battle. So 
Think of me as like a rifleman hiding out in the tree with my Kentucky rifle, taking three dang minutes to reload my gun every time. But I'm here. I'm so yeah. I'm really excited to come out and uh, help help kind of make the the game and the theme and everything fun. And, and yeah, it's just a, it's a huge honor to have. Um, it's it's a huge honor to go. And I said this before, but like just go to a visiting stadium and have. That home team's backing, you know, have yep. have people from season ticket holders and people that are into that team be like, yes, you are a, from a different team, but we appreciate you being here. So that really does mean a lot. And um, yeah, this, I mean, this podcast, I've honestly been nervous all week for it, uh, but it went great. I was so happy to get to talk to you more. Um, and yeah, just, uh, if you come say hi to me, um, if you want to take a picture, I, I just love talking to people and, um, I loved it here last time I came to Quincy. So ready to do it again and have a lot of fun and, and help, help promote broccoli and help promote rugby in general right and how you, fun you, it is you, you, and, you've gone to the international level now too um just on twitter maybe today one of the comments from the the photo of you and me from last time you were here somebody had said oh th this this photo makes me indescribably happy that's, yeah. my friend, that's my friend in wales like you're oh, across how the ocean cool. right now. that's so wonderful yeah just and and we kind of talked about it at the beginning but it's just like for however reason, this this broccoli thing that I do translates to rugby really well. And it's just such an honor to get to represent rugby in this way. And it's such an honor to um, to get to come to a, to a, a free Jacks game and, and have the support I do. So um, I do it for you and I do it for rugby. And, and please come say hi if you're interested in talking to me. Uh, I, I love supporting. So, yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. And I think it's fair to say Broccoli that uh, militia. I love that. That that would be an excellent little supporters group that you we could get going for sure. Yeah, I man, and I've been trying to think of a sign too. I was thinking of the broccoli tea party. There's a bunch of different things I'm throwing around. <laughs> I am um, but uh yeah, I uh, I'm I'm really excited. I have this kind of interesting connection with New England sports. That goes back to the 2001 Super Bowl and Tom Brady won for the first okay. time. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it really means a lot to be a part of New England sports in this cool way. I, uh, I started getting really into history. One of the first things I got into was the Revolutionary War. And I saw the Patriots. was like, oh, my gosh, they're the underdogs against Kurt Warner. And, oh, they have to win. And then Mr. Rogers did the coin flip for that game. And I was just like, this is so cool. So um, just to keep that tradition going as, as, as kind of a supporter of New England things uh, yeah. is really cool. So that the Eastern Conference team uh, is the Free Jacks for you. Is that right? Is that they're, they're yeah. your, your favorite? That's oh, awesome. yeah. Well, awesome. yeah, you sealed the deal when I came last year out of nowhere and everyone was super nice to me. So, um, yeah, I'm just – I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, oh, Dallas – oh, we're just getting news that Dallas won. So, congratulations wow. to the Dallas Jackals. That is a – I mean, Dallas just a well-earned um, – I, sure. I really went through it for that win and yeah. – Hopefully more more to come, but yeah, let's. Yeah. I I, I want to give a specific. I just saw that come up on the screen. Let's give yeah. a specific shout out to Dallas and their Absolutely. fan base for yeah. a, a well earned win. They've 
sure. they've been through a lot with this team and, and and they're finally starting to put some stuff together, put some games together. So go Dallas Jackals, go Free Jacks, go Seawolves, yeah. go everyone. We love rugby. <laughs> love love, love rugby. We're at the hour mark. So with that being said, I've got one word for everybody to exit the video in three, two, one. Huzzah. Huzzah. Woo. Huzzah. I didn't notice that LaRue, LaRue has ear piercings. Uh, he's got earrings in both his ears. How about that? That is a look, man, for sure. Cool dude. Yeah, cool dude for sure. Cool guy club. Okay, I am Phil Harris. Huzzah, Rangers. Uh, <laughs> welcome to this particular segment here of the Jacks Rangers show. I'm joined with Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? I am doing very well, Phil. Very well. We had some beautiful weather in the Boston area today. I don't know how it was up in New Hampshire, but... Yeah, not bad. Sun and you know, fairly warm temperatures. It's starting to feel a little bit spring-like. Yep, put, and then put me in a mood for rugby. Perfect. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. It's like this in early spring, and then it'll probably dip below freezing pretty soon at some yeah. point in the near future, just to break everybody's hearts. Yeah. yeah, sounds like Facebook is live, so that's good. Um, we had a game of rugby took place over the weekend. Uh, not the result that we wanted for the Free Jacks, but I did want to give a quick uh, thank you to Bozo6, who showed up at the New Granite Outpost here in Manchester, as well as the legendary Kenny Thompson, who was live from Utah during the halftime thaws. And, of course, we had you, Dave, on pretty much for the entire second half for um, for the live watch-along, the first one ever in the history books or the Jacks Rangers show, hoping to do those you know, more frequently for away games. But I really enjoyed it. What were your overall thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I you and, you and Bozo set that up. I thought it was a great idea. And uh, I was like, yeah, go for it. I'm not going to plan to swing by much. I'll come by, <laughs> you know, we talked about coming by halftime and after the match. Yes. You know? And uh, and then I got so excited that I just <laughs> I just jumped on and stayed on most of the most of the time. And then all the yeah. second half, I think it was a lot of fun. I mean, that speaks for itself. One thing I really noticed was was fans who were watching really seemed to be enjoying it. Yes. Like they were yep. very engaged. Um, I talked to Wes today at work and he really liked it. Um, it was, was a really positive experience for him. Um, and for everybody, it seemed like, so I think it's yeah, we had some... something we'll have to do more in the future. I agree. We had some decent numbers for this show that were tuning in throughout the most of the uh, Chris Lynn uh, commenting everywhere. Bozo is on YouTube, <laughs> Facebook, everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty awesome. It's kind of one of those things where like if you're a rugby fan, if you're not watching it at a bar with people, you're probably just kind of watching it by yourself or maybe with some close friends or family. So, you know, we kind of add that element of like, oh, you know, uh, there's people watching it and they're commenting on it immediately. And it's from a fan perspective. It's not some stiffs you know in a right. suit somewhere you know talking at neutrals if you will you know <laughs> uh, pundits that don't have no, a skin in the game yeah no objectivity anywhere to be found oh, absolutely pure homerism <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah yeah it's, it was a good time I, I really enjoyed it i, I had three uh, storm along ciders and i was a little hung over the next day and i'm not blaming storm along <laughs> i'm blaming myself because i'm a bit of a lightweight guys um, and I definitely was feeling I normally go to bed around 930 on most nights. So for me to be up until like midnight and having three ciders I, at the end of that, I, I was I felt brain dead to a certain extent. But uh, let's see what uh, Bozo was saying. I thought the just, I thought it was the first annual meeting of the Unsell Me Haters Club. Um, I didn't make any specific notes about Unsell Me uh, for the match review. But I'm sure he'll come up with it. at least Bozo chiming in at certain points right. here. He'll make sure we don't forget him. 
Absolutely. Let's talk about that game against Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah was revved up at the start of this game. I'd mentioned that on the watch along. Uh, really had the Jacks on their heels early on in this one. They kept the pressure on the Jacks deep into New England territory. Utah elected to take three points early with Hodgson kicking an easy one through for three points just three minutes into the game. I don't think the camera angle was able to show, at least in the highlights that I saw. I don't recall. And I remember that the FS2 crew actually had a couple fumbles where they weren't showing the hand signals for the referee. So it was a bit difficult, especially with our volume being low on the TV. Um, did you catch what that uh, call was, Dave? I don't. I don't have it in my notes. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't catch it um, and, and write it down or anything. There were a few times, uh, actually. The the we'll we'll get there eventually. But the very last penalty of the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it was for. He called it probably offsides, but yeah, offside. But could uh, be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So throughout the match, there were some spots where, as is as is often the case on on the broadcast, like. It's not perfectly clear to the the announcers. I mm-hmm. assume they're still calling remotely most of the matches, most. Which, they, which they were, you know, previously, which makes it harder because they're then limited to just the TV feeds that they have. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit easier to call a match live when you can at least look where you want to look and see the whole field. So when I spoke with Matt McCarthy, he kind of peeled the the curtain back a little bit because he was there at New York, and I was like, "Aren't you?" Yeah. Still- indiana or some shit and he was like no 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 there's a couple of there's like four locations within mlr where they are actually on site and i think he told me that utah used to be but they're no longer uh, that that is the case so i think the announcers were either in austin or indianapolis so yeah they didn't have a great view of it obviously with just looking through tv monitors similar to how everybody else watches it uh, unless you're there in person of course uh the, the free jacks immediately responded with uh, jason potras kicking a three through the uprights as well 10 minutes in making it a tie ball game and this is a theme that we're going to see throughout this game one team scores whether it be a penalty or an actual try and the other team either responds a immediately or is the next team that will be the scoring next so it's a back and forth affair it's almost like watching tennis but much more exciting um (laughs) uh, utah scored their first uh try 16 minutes in with one hunga havili i believe havili Havili, yes Um, conversion was good by Hodgson. The crowd did uh, sound very loud as we watched the highlights of this one, Dave. New England responded with an attacking scrum deep within Utah territory. And our guy, the ultimate warrior, the Namibian destroyer, Wien Conradi, dotting down his uh, first try of the game, his only try of the game. Um, and it was actually coming off of a great scrum from the Jacks 22 minutes in. Conversion by Patras was good. Tied ball game 10-10. Any uh, observations up to that point? Um, already by that point, I think you could see that the Utah kick chase was going to be good all night. They yep. they they talked about it on the broadcast, but their their back three really love running down yep. a kick and less going up in the air and competing for it than just taking somebody out you know just Mm -hmm. obliterating a ball carrier trying to get them beyond their support and then often you'd have somebody like lance williams the flanker or or anybody else or some of the backs coming in and competing for the ball um that was already happening early in the match Mm -hmm. um if you're somebody who thinks kicking is kind of boring or (laughs) isn't you know just don't don't feel like you 
like it very much um or you just think kick teams kick too, kick too much you can kind of rewatch the first like 20 30 minutes of the match or the whole match and see you know utah's kick chase and how much pressure they generate on yep. the free jacks there um so that was one thing i loved that scrum try that's what got me so excited i jumped on the <laughs> broadcast i was like i can't wait until <laughs> halftime um, and i'm so glad you did because we were able to get all the huzzas in yeah yeah absolutely joe Joe Mono had to boot the ball out the back of their end goal to set mm -hmm. that scrum up. You don't get that many five meter scrums anymore uh, because true. now a lot of the uh, goal line, if it goes into the end goal, it's held up and yep. a few other things, you get the goal line dropout mm -hmm. rather than a five meter scrum. So, um, yep. you know, it's exciting anytime you get a five meter scrum because there's a chance, just a chance that if your scrum is dominant and you get the other team on the back foot, you can push it. Mm -hmm. all five meters and and get in and dot it down and what happens is the number eight once they're close enough they'll just unbind and grab the ball and kind of dive and put it down into yeah. the scrum really yeah. like dive you know the second row's feet and get it and get it down so it's pretty mm -hmm. hard to pretty hard to stop you don't have to march the entire thing all the way into the end goal you got to get it close enough for the eight to get it down and he did it was it was awesome. So fantastic effort there. They are not common at the professional level. Scrums usually are good enough to stop that from happening, or a team will collapse and give up a penalty, right. you know, which is not ideal. Um, but usually that'll happen too. But sometimes the team, you know, they're they're fighting for it and they won't, and that's what happened. So it was pretty cool. I agree. Um, the next thing was not very cool. Uh, what happened was you could have put a blanket over the defensive coverage of the Free Jacks at the Ruck, which allowed Utah to exploit the edges of the pitch with Joe Mana like an F1 car sped through Jason Potras and spun out racing, uh, excuse, Reese uh, McDonald for a try. Conversion was no good. So Jack's still on top, I believe. Uh, or excuse me, Utah took the lead 15 to 10 at this point. It was then that the Jacks, it was their turn to score uh, at the 28th minute with a little bit of a trickeration type situation there, Dave, with that pass that looked a little strange, uh, which allowed a wide pass out to Paula Bellincana from Jason Patras, who dotted it down in the corner for his fifth try of the season. I believe that is second best uh, in the league right now. Patras converted with a very difficult kick all the way in the corner there to give the Jacks a 17 15 lead let's see here connor keys got a slice of cheese in the form of a yellow card af before halftime utah had an attacking scrum whoa we've just lost dave from the actual live stream so i'm going to pause for a moment let me see if bozo's in the chat dave will be rejoining Pozo, if you want to jump on, now's your time to shine, pal. Bozo's in the chat. Let me see here. Keys penalty, unbelievable is what Bozo says. So what took place is Utah had an attacking scrum 
into the Jacks territory, and Mika Kruse went untouched into the try zone at 34 minutes in. Conversion was no good, 20 to 17, and that was the score at halftime. My thoughts initially were, I felt like the Jacks, you know, obviously with the score being so close at halftime and um, ultimately with the Jacks being so far away from home, I felt like it was a situation where you don't really have too much to be upset about at the halftime mark when you're only down by three. Um, but I didn't want the Jacks to kind of play into Utah's game because, you, as Dave, I believe, said um, in the broadcast, you can't outplay Utah at Utah, right? So um, I was just going to ask you because we just uh, just mentioned the uh, the try by Mika Cruze and the conversion was no good, twenty to seventeen. What was your halftime thoughts, Dave? Yeah, you know, I thought Utah put together a really good first half. Um, that they were playing a really, really, really well. Uh, Freejex played okay. You, the the card aside, um, you know, that was kind of a big a big moment. Although it turned out to just be. Um, not too impactful they scored that one time mm -hmm. um discipline was not great five penalties and a yellow card in the first half um and i i think that utah's kick pressure really put a put a lot of challenge on, on the free jacks that we didn't mm -hmm. have a great answer to it um and at times that generated turnovers also just the pressure at the ruck for the whole game was was really high and the yeah. pace this was one of the most pacey mm -hmm. matches we saw guys looked not gassed like they were not fit or out of shape they just you know it looked like it was wearing on everybody yeah a, a very very high pace match everybody was screaming around the pitch um it was it was really entertaining a very good half of rugby I think I had mentioned that on the on the watch along as well. I felt like it was a very entertaining game. If you were a neutral watching this game, you know, you, you had to really enjoy yourselves. And even if you're just rooting for one team or the other, it was very back and forth uh, throughout that first half. So I think both sides should have felt satisfactory about what took place. Uh, I felt like the Jacks needed to go more ground and pound to try to counteract what uh, Utah was trying to do, um, you know, the scoreline was encouraging, but I was a little uh, fearful that we were going to get Toronto'd, uh, meaning that <laughs> Utah was going to have the gas uh, to really pour it on in the last 20 minutes because it was a lot of running going on. It felt very frantic at times, so I felt yeah. like that might catch up with us considering it was a short week. You know, you're traveling across the country, two-time two zone change, altitude, all of that sort of stuff. But thankfully, we didn't really see that in the second half. There was no huge... Uh, drop-off in energy levels by the Jacks, which is very encouraging from a fitness standpoint. We kind of know that these guys can go uh, longer than 80 um, yeah. if necessary. Uh, what was I going to say here? I think I mentioned this in the watch-along. This felt like a heavyweight title fight. It was just back and forth. Both teams matched each other's scoring with a score of their own. It was a great rugby game and a perfect national game of the week for FS2. I mean, people kind of poo-poo that because like, it's been around for a while where we've been on national television. That's a big deal. Like People just you know, yeah. kind of scrolling through, bored. You know, they, Most people have FS2, right? So if if somebody stops and says, what the hell is this? And they're seeing a very entertaining game that they might not understand, but they understand like the competition and it's close. We might, you know, generate new rugby fans when games like that are so entertaining and um, compelling. Yeah. It really made it for a good showcase for the league. Yes. You know, it was, yes. it was physical. It was very high pace. 
um, it was it was exciting to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, did we in in reviewing that first half? Did you talk about uh, Mitch Wilson going off? I did not. So yes, we needed to talk about that. Took a real, real bad hit against uh, uh, Paula Paul Lasique. Paul Lasique. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, they were. They were. Utah were playing the ball toward the middle of the field. So if you're thinking you're the perspective of the defender, the ball is going from your right to left, mm-hmm. um, and that means play is going to the left. So you're generally going to either be coming up straight up or drifting to your left. Mm-hmm. And what teams will do is then run a line counter to that. Their team is mostly drifting in that same direction. And Lasique came in, you know, in the other way. Think about like an X, right? So most guys yes. are going on the one arm. Lasique is going at the other angle. And he crossed Mitch Wilson up. He thought he he thought he was going to have to switch directions because that's what happened. And it was actually a really clever line because it was it was counter, but it didn't hit Mitch's inside. Usually what you do, if a guy, if if you as the defender are drifting to your left, it's hard for you to turn and make a tackle toward your right. You're going mm-hmm. this way. It's hard to make a tackle that way. And so you cross on that side and you make the defender have to stop and kind of change change direction. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't have any power in the tackle. And Lasique ran a line like he was going to do that. But then what he really did was then run at Mitch's outside shoulder. So Mitch kind of stopped and then just had no energy to tackle Lasique with. He caught, yeah. caught flat-footed because of the angle of the line. Um, and it just made for a huge collision. And he went he went down. He was clearly out from the, you know, right from the impact. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit concerning, you know, it's something, it's one of the things that we, we think about and worry about just in terms of player welfare. Yep. Um, so best wishes to Mitch. He was up and, and walked off after a mm-hmm. couple minutes with some assistance. Um, the most, the most shocking thing about it, Bailey Wilson walked his brother, the captain of Utah walked up to Federico Anselmi. And do you know what he said? Nope. That was head to head contact. You need to card my brother. He like oh points to gosh. Mitch Wilson on the ground, un- like unconscious, and he's like, "Card my unconscious brother." That was head to head. Yeah, we didn't hear that on Talk the broadcast. About... If we do- if we had, we would have fucking ripped him a, a new yeah, one. Yeah, the, sure. the 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 you if you if you turn the volume up so you can hear through Anselmi's mic, you can. That's how you. That's the mic that like picks him up because he's talking yep. to the referee. So you can you can hear it. It's a uh, no 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 love lost in between the opening and closing whistle. You know I'm sure I'm sure he checked checked on his sure, bro sure. and was concerned for his welfare. But in the moment, he's thinking we got to win this game. A card. Let, let me give my me. unconscious. Let me have my yeah. unconscious brother get a yellow card. Wow, it's um, it's something. I'm glad I'm not Bailey Wilson's brother. I'll tell you that for free. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, we thought that uh, Bailey, because we saw him approach the referee, we thought he was going to go to check on Mitch. Yep. Oh, wow. That's 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 pretty wild. Pretty wild indeed. Yeah. Um, Jesse Peretti did check on Mitch. That's nice. Jack, Jesse Peretti is, is the play the player who, while play was live, you know, with Utah attacking the line right there, um, you know, he stopped for a second and checked on him and, and, and just made sure that, that he was all right. I don't have any notes on the pass, but I will say an excellent game by him. He came in early. Uh, Simise uh, went out very early on. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, 
I don't know specifically what type of injury that was. I know that he has an illness right now. That was something that was disclosed. Uh, I think it's just like a cold or something. So I'm, I'm sure that had nothing to do with him leaving uh, the pitch very early on. But uh, replace uh, the past replaced uh, Samisi very early on in that game, and I think he had a fantastic game. Not too many discipline issues, no cards, which is always nice, and, and had a, a great game uh, coming in. But let's get back to the second half. Uh, uh, 46 minutes in, a great offload sent Wayne Vanderbank off to the races and some very odd-looking soccer skills, which looked really terrible in the moment. Like, what is he doing here? Um, but ultimately, it allowed uh, Isaac Olsen, who came on for an injured Mitch Wilson, to scoop and score for his first MLR try, you know, the kid gets his first um, 23 selection of the season, mm -hmm. comes on and scores a try. Conversion was good, 24-20, New England on top. There was an offsides call uh, 56 minutes in, which allowed Hodgson to bring the Warriors within one point with a successful penalty kick, 24-23. Unfortunately, Utah had the Jacks on their heels once again deep within New England territory, and the Jacks had what I believe was an offsides penalty. That's what you were talking about at the beginning of this, uh, Dave, at the 74th minute, which allowed Hodgson to tech on a killing blow, which made it 27-24. The Jacks had multiple opportunities to add points in Utah's 22, but squandered them in the second half, and the line-out throws and execution really looked poor in the second half. So ultimately, the Free Jacks do not win this game, as I predicted in my way too early predictions prior to the season that they would lose this game, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations where, like, if we had gotten blown out, I'd be pissed. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, despite everything that I was mentioning last week in our preview about how this thing could go poorly for the Free Jacks, if we had just gotten, you know, bounced out of Utah in a very, very poor fashion, I would be very upset. I'm not as upset based on the performance because I felt like we were in the game the entire time. Yeah. Um, despite all of the excuses where they could have just packed this up and pad up his poor performance, they did very, very well uh, on the national stage against a team that is better than their record shows, I think. You know, we talked about how many good players that they have and, you know, the um, the stadium atmosphere that really gives them a true home field advantage there. So, look to see Utah maybe making like a – uh, like a mid-season push, uh, trying to get into a playoff uh, spot here in the Western Conference because that team is pretty dang good. Yeah, absolutely. They're a team who, you know, they may not have the most, you know, the depth. They might be stacked like San Diego is, mm -hmm. right, in the West. Or, and, and Seattle, of course, is a powerhouse. But they can they can be a problem for any team in this league on any yes. given Saturday, you know, it's a little, it's, it's, they're certainly at least in that position where mm -hmm. nobody can, nobody in the West or the East can take them for granted at That's all. Right. Um, they're, they're a, a very good team. And when they are attacking and when they're hitting their rhythm, um, and can really just play the game they're comfortable playing that yep. Utah ball where it's line break offload. And then now what, what are you going to do? What are right. you going to do? Cam Davidowitz can't run everybody who breaks the line down. Yes. Like, you know, there's only one of him. Um, it's, it's good. It's exciting rugby. It's, I think it's good for the sport. I'm glad there is a team of Utah's profile 
in the in the league that are out there yes you know playing the kind of really physical really fast exciting rugby that they're playing yeah it's they're fun to watch man for sure i really enjoy the way that they play uh ranger mark is making a a point here where he's saying if this was a six actually dang it let me go back if this was a six nations game lasique might have gotten a red card for head to head contact there what he's saying is that lasique initiated the con uh contact into mitch thoughts on that dave yeah you know i think it's always going to be a tough ask to to look for a card on the ball carrier the Mm -hmm, the laws mm -hmm. are structured there's just a lot of onus it's not impossible they'll get carded for forearms and and you know leading with the forearm they really they really talk about but it's hard to call somebody for leading with their head Mm -hmm. um even even if even if it's true and he's running, you know, I mean, this guy's a football fullback, right? Like he's, he's running in that style of the ball's tucked. I'm forward. And you know, the most prominent thing mm-hmm. is, is his head. It's hard not to, to hit him in the head in that instance. Right. And the, the expectation is just that you get low enough not to make contact, even if he's leading in there with it. Um, it is tough. It, you can do it as a tactic and make it difficult to tackle you, which he, he is doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think if we, when we, especially if we look at it outside the laws and just look at it as observers of like what happened, not even thinking about it as like the sport of rugby, like, yeah, that dude used his head to run into that other dude. Like, <laughs> like Paul Lasique was the guy right. who was initiating head to head. Like, yeah, but the way the laws are framed, like right. it just doesn't matter. It's almost like the tackler's not allowed to have his head be there. Yes. On purpose or not, your head just your head just can't be there. It's kind of comparable to how roll you know not rolling away penalties are called now. Where like it doesn't really matter why you end up on the wrong side of the road. Mm-hmm. You might have done everything right, and you know somebody traps you in there, and you probably still get called. Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah, uh, it was- I, I I feel like uh, Bozo also mentioned that uh, during the watch along where he referred to the person that has the ball. You know, it, it they're not going to get called in that scenario. It's always going to be the tackler. Uh, in that scenario, that uh, that could be potentially carded for the head-to-head, not the the ball carrier. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting thought here. Quatrin seems to be the one hooker with the correct timing on his lineout throwing. It certainly seems that way. We've got three really really good hookers, but I feel like Q has kind of separated himself as the best uh, throw-in hooker that we have available. Yeah, um, he is he is first choice hooker. Yeah. Um, certainly and one of the big reasons is is his line out throwing is really mm-hmm. dialed in yes um and i think it is a timing thing we know our jumpers are quality you know it's it's there seem to be a lot of overthrows where it's just a little bit too cooked or or just you know we don't get a jumper up there i guess um which which would be a timing issue you know the jumper is mm-hmm. not there when the ball is um it's it's frustrating. It's been it's been kind of our the 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 thorn in our side for a couple seasons now. That's right. Where it seems like we just kind of circle we solve it for a little while and then circle back to it. I think in some ways that's rugby. The lineouts are tough, and yeah. you know it should be more. I'm not making excuses and saying it's fine. It's not a concern. Like it's a it's a problem, but you know you're not going to be clicking on everything at the same time all the time. Um, and this is one that maybe just unclicks a little more frequently than other things. And we, sure. we notice it. Yeah. Hopefully that will get corrected. But, you know, as, as you're talking about the tradition is that the free Jacks 
consistently have an issue. They will get it right for a while, and then it will be a problem again. So, I mean, we do have a specific coach that is uh, for the forwards this year, Will Webster. So, I, I mean, I've, I've seen improvement. Now, the San Diego game was a low point in the season, in my opinion. It has gotten better, and then, you know, the second half of this game wasn't connecting as well as we would have liked to hope. But, yeah. you know, another issue – and I think we'll talk about this a little bit more because I did write down quite a bit in our next segment here. But, you know, the Free Jacks have to put some points on the board when they have the opportunity to score. Um, it has been something that is consistently an issue. Now, we've won two games and it wasn't too much of a problem because even though it was present in those games against New York and Dallas, we still got the win. But in this scenario, we've could have scored a couple times and, you know, basically beaten this Utah team at their house. But because of, you know, not clinical finishing and no, you know, lack of execution. It just didn't come together. And that's just, that is rugby, but it is a bit of a concern going forward. You have to finish and put points on the board. So, yeah. Let's move over to musket size pants tent real quick. I've got Lance Williams here, uh, 30 years old at this point, six foot two, 230 pounds. He's been playing for the Warriors since the beginning of the organization. Born in Hawaii, played linebacker at the University of Hawaii, and went on to become their all-time leading tackler. Uh, he has he works as a special needs preschool teacher. Somebody get this guy a sainthood right now just for that in itself. Um, he's played for the USA Eagles sevens team um, most recently in December of last year. Just what a player. He's always around the ball. You know, it, I, I would love to have this guy. Obviously, the Free Jacks are completely stacked um, yeah. in the back row area, but, I, you know, this is a guy that I would love to see in a Free Jacks uniform before he hangs it up. He's just a great, great player. Didn't get he on the is. score sheet, but, it, you know, obviously always around the ball doing something. Yeah. He feels like a Boston athlete in that Yeah, way. You know, yeah. like we like those dirt dog mentality yes. guys who are going to get in, do the work. Uh, he's he's that kind of a player. He's a really He's a really special guy. He's pretty fun. I appreciated that you could hear – the respect for the free jacks mm -hmm. from joel hodgson who was the broadcast man of the match mm -hmm. in the way he talked about that win he talked about not being able to you know take them for granted um and knowing that they were going to have to really put together a good game to get the victory which you know ultimately they did i think it was mm -hmm. a fantastic match overall yep. and when you look at like which team you know how good are we versus how good are they and then how well did they play within what they can do and how well did we play you know i think i think the better team in terms of execution on the day one you know like mm -hmm. the scoreline reflected what it, what it was a close game that ultimately utah you know kind of deserved to win mm -hmm. we made some mistakes and particularly you know penalties got to us again just the number um, which is something I'll talk about more in our next segment. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Let's move over to MVP. Uh, I'll let you go first. Um, so I had a lot of trouble picking. There were a lot of different people I wanted to pick uh, in this. A few players in the pack. I thought about picking Jason Pot Potros. I thought he mm -hmm. had another great game. He's doing. He's kind of doing the John Poland thing where he's just yep. quietly being very – maybe not that yep. as quietly, but – quietly being very good all the time in a way that you can sort of take for granted um and ultimately i thought our pack played very well line out issues aside mm -hmm. um i think we had a good physical game and we did have that pushover try um so my general mvp is the entire pack i gotta pick one person <laughs> yes so i'm gonna pick 
Jesse Peretti. Give the Whoa. man give him credit for taking the note. He came out, had very poor discipline in the game in DC. We talked about it plenty. Got him carded twice, which means he got red carded. Mm-hmm. Um, he returned for a lot of this game, went in early as a sub. And in a very physical game, he played hard. He played clean. He was very attentive to the referee in terms of the referee communicating around things like malls, becoming tackles and releasing. Um, He kept it cool. He got shoulder checked a couple times. You know, guys know that he's somebody who they might target to try to rile up and draw some poor discipline. And he did not give a shit. He just (laughs) played his game. He did what he had to do. He played pretty well. He had 10 tackles. A couple of those were dominant. He was defending a lot in the midfield, just out there really looking to put a hit in on anybody who came through there. Um, As always, great in the set piece. Um, So I'm going to go with Jesse Peretti. I love it, man. That that's a great, uh, you know, redemption story there playing out over the course of basically two games. Um, you love to see it. One of my favorite players that I like to criticize sometimes <laughs> when he goes over the edge because it just hurts the team. But mm-hmm. he definitely played very well this time around and is very deserving of that award. Now, I wrote down some information here. It says uh, there are three obvious choices here: Conradi who, if he continues this form, will be in the running for league MVP, as Bozo predicted, because I give Bozo yeah. shit about his um, his world beaters, uh, the Chicago Hounds, but Bozo did pull this out of his ass in the uh, offseason, saying that um, Conradi would be in the running for league MVP, and he's absolutely right uh, as we approach the midseason here. Uh, same thing for Paula, you know, uh, Paula Bellincana scoring mm-hmm. tries left and right, doing a fantastic job, and I did also write down Jason Patras uh, did not miss any kicks in the entire game, but I'm going to give this one Correct. to the little-known Canadian here. Uh, signed last year as a development kid, beefed up in the offseason. He looks absolutely jacked. Uh, Isaac Olsen, yes. um, you know, he must have impressed in practice because he's made his first uh, appearance in the 23 and then came into the game early because Mitch got injured. Got to be a tough situation for him. You know, probably not expecting to play uh, in the first half, but, you know, gets a lot of minutes um, and scoops that ball up and scores his first ever MLR try and his first appearance of the season. So you got to really love that for him. So, yeah, Isaac Olsen is mine. I like that. He, I was excited to see, obviously, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. never happy when somebody gets hurt, but excited to see him get, a yes. lot of playing time. He is an exciting player. He's got a lot of pace to come in and score a little bit like, you know, Zach Bastris. Mm-hmm. We got a glimpse of him and then he scored and we're like, okay, yeah. this kid this kid can game, you know, yes. like he's he's here for it. Um, it was really fun to see that. I noticed him um, playing well on defense as as well. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a big unit, beefed up. Yeah. Right. He's he's looking yoked and uh, uh, he's already a tall, nice, tall guy out there to have in your back three so yeah he's versatile for sure he can play uh in the uh the centers as well yes so yeah yeah very good super happy to have him have him on board you know another canadian here for uh, canada the south so you know we love to see that but um yeah any closing thoughts on the match before we exit this segment um one of the things i think about sometimes uh is wes's adage about you don't want to peak too early and this is the kind of loss where like okay we're four and two we're top of the east 
you know, you don't want to peak too early. Things things are remain to click all at the same time. Um, but every everything that didn't go great is stuff that can be fixed pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily easily, but quickly. Right. It's yes. not like personnel issues. It's not like we're in a hole like Toronto with 13 players unavailable. Yeah. Right? Like we're 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 fine. We're in, we're in great shape in terms of the standings. Um, and uh, it, it felt a little bit like a tough loss because it was so close. And we just like traded back and forth with Utah the whole time. But that mm -hmm. also, you know, I thought it made it a great match. So really fun rugby and on to Chicago. You know, of course, I'm disappointed that they didn't get the win, but it doesn't feel like the end of the world. You know, I, I was extremely frustrated when they lost to San Diego just because they they played so poorly uh, and executed so poorly. But in this game, I, you know, it is what it is. It's a West Coast trip. It's t it's difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and they really showed that they could hang in there the entire game. So I'm proud of them for that. Uh, it's not the end of the world. There's some things that they need to correct, obviously, as you're talking mm -hmm. about. But, by, oh, by the way, every single Eastern Conference team, except for those posers in New York, lost this weekend. So that definitely helps us. We're still at the top of the table. Life is good. Bring in the Chicago puppies. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's what I got to say. Yeah. And I think I think that's the first mention of the travel, really, that we've talked mm -hmm. about in this segment. It is yeah. a West Coast Game, not West Coast, but Western, Western Conference. Yeah. It's most of the way, you know, 75% yeah. of the way to the West Coast mm -hmm. from here. And, um, you know, the travel's impactful. It makes it yeah. hard. You know, guys guys are out of their routine. You're losing time to recover. Travel is stressful. You, you know, um, it, it does make a difference. It's tough to win on the road. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're going to, we're not going to, not going to put a perfect season up. Of course, yeah, I mean, and that that went out the window in week two. So we're still in a good position. Four and two is not that bad. We could be two and four. We could be the Toronto Arrows guys who look like shit, and they're having another injury crisis. They might be yeah. cursed. Hashtag Toronto curse. I don't know. Something's not right there. But uh, with that being said, I've got one word to exit this segment in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah. Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am joined with Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? I am doing fantastic, Phil. Good. How are you? Not too bad. Really enjoy seeing uh, Cam's hair really close up like that. It looks fantastic. Hope yeah, he continues looks, to grow that out. Looks like it's evolving. You know? It sure is, yeah. It, I, I feel like it has a conscious all its own. One day these days we're just going to see it just like, you know, expanding. And probably tackle a player all on its own. Um, let's talk about Chicago. Uh, the Hounds. You can't even you can't even say it with the accent. Like the Bears. The the Hounds. The Hounds. You know, the Hounds. Yeah. The hounds. Yeah. Um, Under attack. There we go. We're back. All right. All right. All right. Chris Farley came uh, back from the dead and just uh, <laughs> knocked over my camera there. All right. Let's hope this stays. Um, I won't. Disrespecting yeah. Mike Ditka. I should be ashamed of myself. Let's see here. There we go. Okay. Um, so in terms of Chicago, right, um, with a game in hand, the Chicago Hounds, who I believe everyone expected other than David Lawrence, you know, he picked them. <laughs> he didn't pick them to make the playoffs, I don't think. Uh, but everybody else uh, in the Outriders group did in our way too early predictions find themselves in last place with a game in hand in the Western Conference. Yes, that's right. 
the Dallas Jackals are ahead of them on points currently. And I think Bozo is punching at the air right now as he watches this. Uh, Chicago has one win and five losses with a point differential of minus 57. They currently only have six total standing points in the entire table. That is 20 points off of the pace in their six games so far in the MLR uh, history. So, you know, this is an expansion team that everybody thought, you know, got a lot of good players. You know, Chicago has a heated MLS grass stadium. They've got a great sports market. Sam Harris has proven himself to be a great coach in M uh, MLR previously with the Austin Jabronis before they, you know, whatever happened there. Oh, and by the way, due to the dispersal draft, they have some of the best players from LA and Austin joining up there in um, Chicago. Despite all of these positives, this expansion team has only won one game, and by the way, that was against the lowly Dallas Jackals, who prior to this week had a 21-game losing streak. Dave, what do you make of this uh, uh, Chicago team? Well, you know, I, I asked my friend Steve, who lives out there, uh, and who I convinced to become a Hounds fan because he's a Chicago sports fan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been talking about it, and... He pronounced during the toward the end of the Chicago game this past week um, that uh, these guys just stink, <laughs> and, uh, and that he's an expert, a subject matter expert, because he's a Chicago sports fan. Right. He's like, I'm a Bears fan. I know, I know bad teams. These guys yeah. are bad. I pronounce them bad. I don't know if that's true. He's probably he's watched more minutes of Hounds rugby this season than I have. You right. Know, if I'm being perfectly honest. Sure. Um, you know they're they've got all the pieces. That's basically all I'm going to talk about. It's all they're, puzzling, right? Like if they have all of the pieces, why yeah. has I mean, you know, obviously chemistry and them playing together is something that I mentioned. Why I didn't think that they would, you know, be the world beaters in first place at the end of the season in the Western Conference. I predicted them to be third. I felt yeah. like it would take a while, but it's taken a long time. So I don't quite understand what's going on. Yeah, we're we're coming up close to the halfway point on the season, you know. Yeah. Um they are uh, their coach Harris talks about like having a very relational coaching philosophy and a supportive way of coaching players. Mm -hmm. He uh Doug Coyle interviewed him. I watched it earlier today. Nice. Talked about allowing players to play their natural game. Okay. That is his goal as a coach, putting players in a position to best capitalize on their natural strengths. And I think that does take some time to develop. He's not like Rassy Erasmus or Warren Gatlin, somebody who's going to come in and they're like, I have a game plan that tells you where to be and what mm -hmm. to do at every second in every situation from okay. the beginning to the end. You know, um, I think it seems like he's less proscriptive than that okay and that and you have these players trying to find how to play to each other's natural strengths that it can take some time um that said can't take too much time you gotta you gotta get it together at some point or it's yeah. not working right uh so that's what remains to be seen we could still see these guys now. Are they going to turn around and be a playoff team? Probably not at this point. But we could mm -hmm. see them turn around and get a couple 
solid wins under their belt and then maybe really start challenging a few of those teams, any of the teams, right. toward the end of the season because they have a lot in their toolbox. Um, Sean Yacobian is coming mm-hmm. home to New England. This yep. is home for a couple seasons anyway. Yep. He had a try last week, you know, just to start there with the, the Free Jacks-related person. Billy Meeks, probably heard of him. Yep, he still good. runs for like nine meters per carry in the midfield. He's pretty like, good. Just gets you know, get in the ball and he's <laughs> gonna get you nine. Yeah. Um, they have Duke Krishnan. He's 6'3", 36 year old lock. The Chicago website just lists his hometown as Malaysia, which is fair because I'm not gonna know like where. Sure. You know, I, I'm not gonna know anything about the town in Malaysia that he's actually from. He's fair. the only first and only malaysian player in major league rugby so far just a pretty cool story that's um, awesome he is a big he is a big unit though six he's listed six five six six so he's up there he'll be he'll be challenging the lineouts played in japan for 10 years wow. um up until coming to major league rugby so oh. certainly has some solid experience they brought in george thornton a uh, english-born lock who played for scotland u20s he is a big dude played at wasps nottingham oh uh went to glasgow the time there was interrupted by covid and then played in the super six and has now come over to major league rugby okay um another prop charlie abel won the championship with la uh when they won 2021 he's a powerful tight head uh really good with the ball in hand gets a good poach now and then he's kind of has a reputation as a little bit of a razzle dazzle prop Mm. um they also have Patty Ryan, Chicago-born, raised in Ireland, has a yep. couple of USA caps. Um, he played club rugby in Chicago, has a lot of Chicago ties. He can be kind of a face for Chicago rugby out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he and Cole Keith look like they could have like an, a friendly competition. They both just look so look like they'd make you a cup of tea if you visit <laughs> while it's raining. You know, just like yeah. very friendly, very friendly tight head props. They can grind you to dust, but only if you make them. <laughs> um they have michael baska he played so well in utah for utah 2021 that he got yep. a pro d2 contract over in That's france right. didn't you know not, nothing too huge came out of it he came back um to major league rugby and now he's in chicago good um, player he, yeah very good player uh lindenwood guy came up into mlr through new orleans shout out to nola for developing those american players mm-hmm. he's got three eagles caps also he's from kansas so automatic bonus points nice um they have bryce campbell one of the austin keepers so a guy who played for sam harris down there yep he was the captain in austin he's the captain in chicago big defensive center he spent two years in the premiership with london irish he's got 44 usa caps He's from Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana. It's actually mm-hmm. a beautiful city. Uh, comfortable with his fellow Eagle fly half Luke Cardi. Yep. Um, also Julian Dominguez. Also Marco Keefe. Also Luke White. Mike Roach. There are just a lot of really good players in Chicago. It's, it's almost like a who's who, yeah. in particular of like American backs. Yes. Right. Yep. And you you want to see these guys doing well. Like it's good for the U.S. Eagles if Chicago doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a lot of ways, they're a team that many people are rooting for and just kind of waiting for these pieces to come together. Because there's a mm-hmm. feeling that if it does, it might take time, but like if it does, that's pretty great. You got these mm-hmm. guys playing together. 
you could really build a, a core of people who can then transfer that cohesion and timing and as you know harris himself put it that ability to just play to their own natural strengths mm -hmm. alongside each other if you could bring that synergy to the national team um man that'd be pretty good i agree man like there there is there's behind the scenes in the underbelly of all of this stuff there is those that people that look at the the broad you know everything that goes on at the very highest level they want to make sure that the big market teams like new new york and i hate to say it but it's true mm -hmm. and chicago and obviously the la team no longer exists but they want those sports markets for MLR to be very, very strong. And that has a lot to do with the wins and losses on, you know, the result ends of it. So you, 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 it's just a, a fact that those markets should need to do well for the league to feel healthy, to seem yeah. healthy. Yeah. There's definitely something to that. And when, you know, when Dallas sucks, like who really gives a shit? Like other than the people <laughs> in Dallas or maybe right. in Texas, like, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. when, it's, when a Chicago team has won one game, um out of five people might be going like oh uh oh you know what i mean so yeah. they need to do well um and they have the pieces and it's just a kind of like everybody's a little puzzled um and it's it's a weird situation and i'm sure they're going to figure it out because if you have michael jordan and shaquille o'neal on a team like eventually they're just going to work it out and they've <laughs> got a couple of those guys that are kind of that caliber within mlr i'm not talking about world rugby let's not get crazy but right they got a couple of those pieces that Juli Julian Dominguez is a great rugby player. Yes. You know, Marco Keith is a great rugby player. Um, so, you know, they will figure it out. And I really hope that it's not this week at Fort Quincy. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's the danger. You know, we saw yeah. with Dallas that the Free Jacks are a team that can kind of get a an underdog fired up. Mm -hmm. I, I think that you know, knowing that they're going to get probably a number of opportunities to get the ball and do what they want with it, whether that's kick like we saw Dallas or maybe with Chicago, we'll see more of them playing, you know, with the ball in hand. But, you know, the Free Jacks are going to give you opportunities because we like to play field position, which means yes. we'll kick and press. So you're going to get some time with the ball. We're not going to starve you of possession. Mm -hmm. And teams feel like they're going to, you know, be able to take that and do something, at least make a go of it. And, um, you know, we'll see what Chicago brings. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I, I want to stomp them. Like, I, let, <laughs> let me be clear. Yeah. I would love to pull ahead by 15 points in the first 20 minutes and then, you know, just widen Cruise the Cruise to a there. victory. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that would be perfectly more than fine with me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if it if it turns into more of a dogfight than that, you know, well, I enjoyed the Dallas game. I, as long as we win in the end. Right. Yeah. Let's, you know, bring it on. Let's bring a dub's a dub. Whether it be ugly or pretty, a dub is a dub. Now, yeah. me personally, what I would like to see is a easy, comfortable win against a team that on paper is supposed to be better than they are. But based on the results, we should handily beat. Yeah. That's, yeah. About, that's about right. 
Um, last week, I listed off a lot of reasons why the Jacks could underperform in Utah. There will be a lot less of that this week uh, in terms of excuses. I'm hearing that there has been a sickness running through this team um, this week, but I predict at Fort Quincy, we will be a fortress once again. Uh, you know, I talked about it in the offseason, how I expect us to go undefeated at Fort Quincy. And I'm definitely not going to go back on that midway through the season. So I expect a win against this lowly Chicago team. But and it's a big but. Uh, the Jacks uh, have a growing <laughs> problem on their hands. Dave, uh, we were held up five times against New York and mm. Dallas. It's a uh, what is it? Uh, what is that fucking gorilla's name? Uh, Iron. Iron Will. Will. It's an iron will big butt. There you go. There you go. Uh, call uh, call back to a couple episodes ago. Um, it's got cake. <laughs> missed opportunities in their opponent's 22. Unforced errors. These are signs of a team that aren't world beaters by any means. If they come back to Fort Quincy and are as offensively woeful as they were against Dallas, they will lose this game. That is my prediction. I don't see that happening, of course, because we know the coaching staff is excellent. The roster is excellent. The player leadership on this team is excellent. But until the players sharpen it up uh, and show consistency, we will be it's something in the shadows that will kind of follow us around. This team needs to execute better and be more clinical with finishing and scoring points. That is the only way that they can put their foot on the gas and get away from teams in a game. Uh, if it becomes a dogfight like it was in Dallas, I feel like the talent level on Chicago compared to Dallas can see them over the finish line and beat us at home, which is not what I want, but I could see it happening, and it scares me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. With that being said, I'm going to move into key to the game. Um, for me – there's something in the back of the, my, my mind that I want to put out there, but I don't think this is the week. Okay, so I'm going to go to this as a default for myself because the one that I want to say I don't think is fully materialized yet. So what I will say is unleash the fury. You're back in the friendly confines of Fort Quincy. I want to see ground and pound rugby. I want to see turnover to transition style rugby. I want to see free Jacks rugby. And I want the Jacks to pour it on against a Chicago team that hasn't found itself yet. I want the Jacks to leave no doubt, bury this team, and just keep moving and keep it going. That is my key to the game. So unleash the fury. Just everything you got, let's see it at Fort Quincy and dispatch these punks. What you got? I like that. They'll have an extra day of rest, right? Yes. They've got a seven-day turnaround, which is good. Um, we've had two six-day turnarounds in a row. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. we only have one more of those this entire season. Yes. So we're, we're in good shape on that. I like that. I think that the rest could help us achieve that. My key to the game, cut the penalties in half. Wow. In half. We have averaged 12.3 penalties per game. It has held us back from winning by larger margins um, and even uh, coming away possibly with wins in our two losses. Mm -hmm. We gave up 13 penalties against Utah to their three, 13 penalties against Dallas, 11 against New York, 14 against D.C., 13 against San Diego, and 10 against NOLA. That was our best performance of the season. 
in the mm. season opener, not what you usually see in terms of trends. Mm -hmm. So we need to reduce that substantially. So I, yep. I, I set our goal at, at like half. I want to see like six penalties. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that would be that would be great. OK, cool. Saul, that would make me say, OK, we got it like we can get there mm -hmm. uh, and we should be in good shape. I think that it's something that that needs to get fixed if as we're approaching the midpoint and we can be we can begin talking about the possibility of playoff positioning and you know matchups and and just competition how will we fare in the playoffs you know if it starts looking like we're locking something up to be there right now we're in the top and of the conference we mm -hmm. could we could be there before too long and you know we're not the players or the coaches we can talk about that whenever we want we don't have yeah. to do the this week only just eyes on the next opponent you yeah. know forget that we can talk about playoffs now if we really want so sure. as as we begin that conversation penalties are something that i think are gonna have to get fixed um other okay. things i think of in terms of like a click and not click like the line out you know the timing is clearly off but like that can click we can get that that's fine mm -hmm. penalties is more of a thing like that's kind of a trend you gotta bend you got to get some time. So I would love to see that really cut and and see that begin to correct because it's hard to see us winning playoff games if we're giving up 12, 13 penalties um, and just playing with that that kind of ill discipline. For sure. And in this episode, we've talked about, you know, I mentioned that you have to be uh, a more clinical when finishing and you're talking about the discipline i think those are the two biggest things that are holding the free jacks back at this point you know the line out as you're mentioning it is kind of a, a sore thumb but that's easily corrected with more practice and you know sort that out the bigger uh, issues and they're not necessarily easy fix they can be fixed it's just not an easier one is the discipline and the clinical finishing um, if all of those things were corrected this team you could just hand us the trophy right now because we have the ponies. <laughs> we just need to get the, the other stuff corrected that we're talking about. So um, let's move over to predictions and I'll let you go first. All right. We're bringing out the dice. All right. Hashtag dice. Sign. I'm getting the spinzo. We got, Ooh, 36. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Two. 25. 25. Well, I don't think, I don't think Chicago will score 25, but we'll keep it. Okay. 36 to 25. New England 36, Chicago 25. Pretty close to mine. I have Chicago 21, the New England Free Jacks 38. So I'm hoping that we pour it on in the second half. Probably a little, you know, KG start to the game, kind of filling each other out. Chicago might score one or two tries in the first half. And we're going to be looking around like, what the hell is happening here? And then just hopefully we you know, figure it all out. And that clinical finishing returns to the Free Jacks where every time we're marching into their territory, we're getting points. Um, and then, you know, maybe last 20 minutes we pour it on, maybe score about 18 and they just run away with it. So, yeah, that is my prediction. Uh, hoping for a good result at Fort Quincy. I will say uh, I posted this in the uh, tailgating uh, area, uh, whatever the event thing is that they do, yeah. that we are having uh, some storm along being brought to the tailgate. So, guys, if you're there at the uh, the tailgate, make sure you stop by and say hello to me, and I will hand you a storm along cider uh, while supplies last. Yeah. So there you go. Everyone is welcome as well in that tailgate up in the yes. uh, priority parking lot. You don't yes. have to park there to go there. So mm -hmm. feel free to 
they're a very welcoming crew. Feel free to, you know, park wherever you can. Yes. Make your way up to the parking lot and, uh, you know, say hi, enjoy a storm along. Um, I may have some additional friends coming, so I'm pretty nice. excited. A friend of mine uh, may be bringing her kids and, and some other people for her birthday. Um, so we'll be hanging out. And it's a big it's a big to-do. They got the frosé and cheese, frosé and fromage, I think they're calling it. That's yes. the tasting event for this, this match. Um, they'll have some... I can go for that is the name of the theme, which is phenomenal. <laughs> so it'll be yacht rock. So yeah, wear, wear your sailors best. I think we'll have we ordered some little sailor caps for us. We we did there. the same thing. So we've yeah. got several that we can give out to people if you don't have oh, one. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be a fun theme. And then Orleans is is playing after the match, which mm-hmm. I believe is the first time they're. Yep. doing anything with this kind of planning it's a 2 p.m match obviously scheduled yeah. for four i think is when they're supposed to go on yeah so yeah. i don't know i wonder if they're gonna put them set up like a temporary stage on the, i have no idea i'm not yeah like i'm wondering are they going to be where the musical acts usually are like back toward the entrance exit on that small stage or are they going to set up a bigger stage um you know, temporary, but something mm-hmm. like on the field so that you would watch from the stands. I don't know. I'm curious to see, uh, but it's going to be, it'll be something a little bit new. So if you have the time and you can stick around, I'm sure they're hoping to, you know, sell some more beer and some more food and all that after the game mm-hmm. um, should be a party two o'clock. Yeah. It should earlier. be a very come good time. Yeah. Come to the, come for the tailgate for sure. If you, if you haven't experienced that yet, you're definitely missing out. Make sure you experience the tailgate this time around. You might get to sell a storm along a free one, which is always the best price. So uh, with that being said, I've got one word to exit the video in three, two, one, huzzah. All right, Rangers, tell us how we did. Send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. Head on over to Facebook and give us a five-star review on our Facebook page over there. We would greatly appreciate it. Hope to see all of the Rangers out at Fort Quincy this weekend, Saturday, April the 8th at 2 p.m. Make sure you say hello to our good friend Broccoli Guy in the stands. Give him a huzzah. And be on the lookout for some storm along being given away in the parking lot for the tailgate. Really appreciate our friends at Storm Along American Hard Cider for sending over some product placement for us. We really appreciate our friends over at Storm Along American Hard Cider sending over some of their new and original offerings. With that being said, that's going to wrap her up for this particular episode of the Jax Rangers show. And I'll trot on out of here on a couple of things. Go free, Jax. Beat Chicago, saddle up, let's ride, and huzzah! Woo!